It's Carnival Monday. Good morning, everyone. I'm here acting as though I'm all up and down Trinidad Carnival. Wish I was, though. I'm there in spirit. I'm there in spirit. clubhouse family good morning if the uh what, what, what should i call it if the sound is not the same it's not me i keep getting the message from clubhouse that the servers are struggling not sure why but we're gonna play through it hope it won't affect your vibe it's Monday morning, folks. New day, new week, new opportunities. Oh, you're stepping out. Girl, but it's so bad. Girl, but it's stepping out. 
gonna squeeze one more in before we get started. Happy Monday, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in online. And thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. started good morning good morning good morning listeners around the world logged on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com good morning to everyone logged on to johnnoradio.com and of course a big good morning to everyone right here with me on clubhouse this is where the conversation happens it is monday february 20 move it monday and we are celebrating in trinidad carnival vibration mode today tomorrow's the last day of carnival in trinidad so if you're there have a wonderful time party up for me and you thank you so much for joining me for coffee in tow world news on the go we do this every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern this is where i read the news and we share our views don't forget to follow me on tiktok moments with me media on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on twitter me media moments and the mean everything is am i and here are the headlines we have coming up for you today
cup of Caribbean Corner, six tourism entities receive CTO Caribbean Sustainable Tourism Awards. Mass Dominique Trilogy wins Calypso Monarch. Guyana urges Venezuela to respect its border. A petition, I think that's the right way to pronounce it if you're from St. Kitts, um, has been named Caribbean's top female CXC CCSLC student of 2022 out of jamaica a second woman has been charged re the illegal land sale at clifton saint catherine uh government airmarks 2.7 billion dollars for coastal surveillance in our stories out of latin america uh, floods and landslides have killed dozens in brazil sao paulo state on the international scene china slams blinken's comments on russia ukraine Brain war. Uh, a follow-up to a story that broke um, a couple months ago. Broken wires, faulty renovation caused the India Bridge mishap, according to a probe. Israeli diplomat removed from African Union summit. Out of North Korea, they're continuing to test as there is confirmation of an ICBM test and they're touting nuclear counter-attack ability. IMF is suggesting to the crisis hit Pakistan that they need to tax the rich and protect the poor. And we have Russia-Ukraine live updates as Putin's war plans are playing wrong, says Biden news out of north america four people have been shot in their indiana gas station police say i have lost count of the mass shootings that have happened in the past five days literally lost count uh shock and sadness in a los angeles catholic community after a bishop is found shot to death in his home a suspect arrested after shooting along Mardi Gras parade route leaves one person dead and four others injured. And that's according to New Orleans police. The Wackadoodle Foundation of Fox News' election fraud claims. And Biden says he'll back Ukraine as long as it takes. But some take aim at the price tag. But before I even continue, I want to know that what I saw was not what I really saw. I was dreaming. I was hearing things. I saw a clip where President Biden says that we need to be paying the pensions of folks in the Ukraine because they need to be able to live. Uh, all right, let me keep it moving because I think I was seeing doubles and hearing doubles. In business and tech news, Meta to roll out paid subscription on Facebook and Instagram. The FDA has recalled more than 300,000 bottles of Starbucks bottled Frappuccinos check your pantries check your refrigerators folks in 2022 black farmers were persistently left behind from the usda's loan system those stories and more we, we're going to talk about ethel Payne, the first lady of the black press um believe it or not news <laughs> there were some stories that we didn't get to cover um but yeah you can take from the church and not get charged if you are a priest a pastor a deacon but if you take from the church as a um as a regular employee you you will get charged <laughs> we're gonna have the details of those stories and more coming up after a little more so could wake us up well let me speak for myself wake me up a little bit more here is Fayon lions with upgrade 
don't be ungrateful. Sometimes hey, hey. Smile when you see my car park in the yard. Don't scream, shout team. Cause the man where you have he only selling your dreams. He would have cheat anyway. He would have been in the streets anyway. He would have go underneath anyway. You should have glad it was me any day. Listen, the wine that I give him now I make him with more. You know have a man, girl, you think no score. You should have let me know I would have helped from before. I throw away your vinyl, give your hardwood floor. The food where I give him now you never will regret. The healthy and lengthy and everything set. Congratulate your girl and a job well done. Say thanks now. You're welcome. I upgrade your mind. I upgrade your mind. I upgrade your mind. Now your man is a brand. Happy Carnival Monday! We're gonna get the blood pumping. We're doing it in Soka Style Movement Monday right here in Coffee until keep it locked. Anything where you start, me go finish it. Just a piece and I will make my exit. Cause your bumper looks sweet. Girl, I want a piece and I need a bad girl. Baby, you me want a piece. Girl, I want to feel your bucket up in the pants, girl. Baby, you me want a piece. Come close to me. I'll let me tell you the hard work. Baby, you me want a piece. Girl, I want a piece. Just want a piece of that Cause when we rub up We body on each other Oh, girl I want you to consider When we make the front page Of the news cover Oh, girl And when we touch place Catch a fire Give you anything you want Baby, you desire Oh, girl You know where you come here for So why will you listen to temper? Darling You take a little Talk a little Take a little bit You take a little Talk a little Take a little bit You take a little Talk a little Take a little bit Cause your bumper feels sweet when you go down and you come up and you jiggle it Anything that you start, me go finish it Just a piece and I will make the exit Cause your bumper looks sweet So you find my means to the pace When you wine, memorize, close your eyes Carnival time dream Me go fat fancy Where you like me go buy pretty colors And the shape you behind so neat Girl does wine for me Big booty chini No she like the pace So me link with the lyrical Betty still a wine No please ice criminal Cause your bumper looks sweet Darling Take a little, take a little, take a little bit you take a little, take a little, take a little bit You take a little, take a little, take a little bit Cause your bumper feels sweet And girl, I love when you go down and you come up and you jiggle it Anything that you start, me go finish it Just a piece and I will make my exit Cause your bumper looks sweet Girl, I want a piece and I need a bad girl Baby, you me want a piece Girl, I want to feel your bucket up in the pants, girl Baby, you me want a piece Come close to me I'll let me tell you the hard work Baby, you me want a piece Girl, I want a piece and I need a bad girl 
Thank you to everyone listening online and everyone here with me on Clubhouse. Thank you so much for choosing to start your day here with us. Well, depending on where you are in the world, maybe lunchtime for you or maybe afternoon or night. But whatever time of day it is for you, thank you so much for tuning in. So my love, I hope you don't mind if I run and tell everybody you're the one. Look me in my eyes when I say you is all I want. Hey man, all my brethren say I should believe and you are wrong. Them can come up, they come and talk, they talk. I not taking chain up, cause baby, I'm finally happy. Finally, yeah, happy, happy. Love and the right somebody, yeah, happy, happy. Look how long I waited for something so true and so real. Just me and my baby, and we happy, so happy. Dancing in the rain, happy. I love for you making me feel happy. Complete me totally happy. I don't need nobody else, I happy. Yes, baby, yes, for me, happy. I love for you making me feel happy. Complete me totally. That bus look trouble now. Don't bother waste your time, money, my girl, lock it down. She pull up on the scene, look sexy. Round of applause for my bestie. She wet till the flood, need a jet ski. I pray and look God's entry. So, my love, I hope you don't mind if I run and tell everybody you're the one. Look me in my eyes when I say you is all I want. Hey, man, all my brethren say I should believe when you are wrong. I not taking chain up, cause baby, I'm finally happy, finally yeah, happy, happy, love and the right somebody, yeah, happy, happy, look how long I waited, for something so true and so real, just me and my baby, and we happy, so happy, dancing in the rain,
past the top of the hour we're going to go ahead and get started thank you so much to everyone who is listening online qmzradio.com and johnoradio.com thank you also to everyone here with me on clubhouse this is coffee in tow world news on the go i'm moments with me First up, out of the Caribbean corner, six tourism entities receive CTO Caribbean Sustainable Tourism Awards. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. The Caribbean Tourism Organization CTO this week announced the winners of the Caribbean Sustainable Tourism Awards Competition 2022 at a virtual awards function. Since 2000, the CTO has been hosting the Caribbean Sustainable Tourism Awards to coincide with the start of the new millennium in seeking to support and promote the sustainable development of tourism in the Caribbean. The awards aim to identify and showcase sustainable tourism good practices undertaken in CTO member countries in the Caribbean and are open to individual entrepreneurs, destination management organizations, tourism businesses and others which have developed innovative tourism-related products, services, or experiences, and in implementing these initiatives adhere to responsible and sustainable tourism practices. So, who are these uh, countries? That's what I want to know. So, following the review by the distinguished panel of judges, the awards went to the Jade Mountain Resort in St. Lucia, for excellence in sustainable tourism. The Bahamas Ministry of Tourism, Investments and Aviation received the award for Destination Stewardship and Resilience. The award for community-based tourism went to Y Farm. We help the youth farm in Trinidad and Tobago. The award for tourism, education and training went to the United Nations Development Program, Barbados and the Eastern Caribbean and Wild Dominique in Dominico. While receiving honorable mention for tourism, health, and safety was the Native Radiance Spa, or I should, yeah, Span and Wellness Facility in St. Kitts and Nevis. Great job, folks. On to Dominica, Mass Dominique Trilogy wins Calypso Monarch. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com trilogy is the new calypso monarch of dominica trilogy gave a spirited performance of kaisos and i hope i said that right k-a-i-s-o-s the boy cut and dick taylor to outshine a tough field of nine artists that included several former monarchs this is the first time that trilogy who is known for his bouillon music has won a calypso monarch and it is the first time that he has entered the competition. The first runner-up was Dice, while Bob and Chat Daddy Chess placed third and fourth. So congratulations, Trilogy. Let me see if I can. You know what? I can't think of one of his songs right now, but I'm sure I have heard it. Uh, let me pull up one. Let me go to one of his top songs. Let's see here. 
right is there another trilogy that can't be right that don't sound like what it should sound like in my head they probably have more than one that sounds like hold on let me see something let me try this one okay that's that's definitely not it okay we're gonna stop right there gotta be a different one so i have to look it up another time okay all right on to guyana we go guyana urges venezuela to respect its border courtesy of caribbean.lootnews.com guyana has called on venezuela to respect the geneva agreement which set the international border between both countries last friday marked 57 years since the agreement was signed the international court of justice icj heard oral hearings from guyana and the venezuela in mid-november last year Guyana called Venezuela's claim that the agreement is null and void baseless in a statement issued by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. The disputed territory is known as the Guayana Esequibo region in Venezuela and it encompasses a land area that is more than half of Guyana's territory. The region is resource rich with deposits of precious metals and hydrocarbon venezuela has sought for years to undermine the agreement and specifically to frustrate the resolution of the controversy by the judicial process even when as now it is obliged to participate and that's according to the ministry guyana said any attempt by venezuela to restrict its sovereignty and rights over the area goes against international law as Guyana's lawful development of its resources proceeds, it is pertinent today to emphasize that the Geneva Agreement imposes no obligation on Guyana to refrain from economic development activities in any portion of its territory or any maritime areas. Guyana considers that no greater homage can be paid to it by our sister republic than full compliance with its terms, including Article 4, Paragraph 2, pursuant to which the Secretary General of the United Nations has chosen the International Court of Justice as the means for final and binding settlement of the controversy. Ghana added that it looks forward to Venezuela returning to the judicial processes of the Geneva Agreement. Uh, you know, as I started reading the article, I was saying, you know, it has to be that there is some resource there because nobody wants to claim anything unless there is something of value, right? Um, in terms of natural resources or because of location and the importance it can play in being a transshipment point. Nobody. Uh, do right by these people, Venezuela. If the Geneva, what you call the Geneva Court and the um, United Nations and everything, every governing body that has laid out the terms, please abide by that. Precious metals and hydrocarbon. We spoke about hydrocarbon last week, didn't we? St. Kitts and Nevis for our next story. A petition has been named Caribbean's top female cxc and 
CCSLC student of 2022. Deshornia Edwards of the Virchilds High School in St. Kitts and Nevis was named the Caribbean's top female CXC and a CCSLC student of 2022. Edwards, who is a year one student at the Clarence Fitzroy Bryant College, received her award earlier this week at a virtual CXC regional top awards ceremony hosted by the Turks and Caicos Islands. Deputy Prime Minister Dr. Jeffrey Hanley, in his congratulations to Edwards, said, standing out in the crowd of elite students is a remarkable accomplishment worth celebrating. The certificate, known as the Caribbean Certificate of Secondary Level Competence, uh, awards distinguished upon Miss Edwards among her peers, and it's indicative of her potential for success. Congratulations to Miss Edwards, her teachers, and her entire family. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Excuse me. Yes, Jocelyn. Good morning. I missed how old is this young lady? Ah, let me see if it tells us here in this article. If she's in high school, year one, um, I'm sorry, let me not say year one. Um, what you call it? She's probably year one student. Okay. Is she at the Bryant College? But so she looks as though she's in dual enrollment because if she is a high school student as well as a year one student at a college, I want to say she's somewhere between 16 and 18 based on Caribbean terms. Because in the Caribbean, you can be in your last year which is fifth form grade 11 at 16 years old so i i'm looking for her age it doesn't say her age in the article jocelyn so she got the most uh, cxc passes and is that it i'm sorry i missed no 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 you're fine she got the um she was named the caribbean's top female cxc and CCSLC student of 2022. Yes. Well, as you know, I grew up in St. Vincent and I've always opposed this. Um, like when you're about to write, um, um, in order to get into high school, um, you know, the common entrance and those, um, the results published in the paper I always feel badly for the person who came in last because it's a small island and to have these results published. And the same with this um, CXC, uh, that's a common thing as well, you know, to publish those things in the paper. We all know that uh, while you do in school, it doesn't, um, you know, it's not taken into the workplace. It doesn't reflect in the workplace. You can be brilliant in school, but, uh, you know, you can um, not do well in, in, in the real world. So I've always opposed that. I don't know if others feel the way I do, but it doesn't belong. I don't think it should be public knowledge. It's damaging to some kids. Uh, and not everyone is a good test taker and your entire life, for example, for a young girl taking these exams at 11, 12, what if it's a bad day for her? 
She's yeah. having menstrual cramps and she didn't perform well. And to have to live with these results, you know, be reminded, oh, you came in last because mm -hmm. these things were published. And I uh, oppose it. I don't know if anyone else feels the way I do. I totally understand your sentiments, Jocelyn, because the, the thing with the Caribbean, we are focused on um, regurgitation, not the ability to think for ourselves. We're not conditioned that way. We're not brought, we're not trained that way in school. We are taught to think around the text, what is provided in the textbooks. And if you can't regurgitate that information, you're a failure. That, that's what it is. And I totally see where you're going, and I totally agree with that concept. We need to shift you know, our attention from being so focused on drilling the book, 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 but allow people, allow youths, our young folks, allow their minds to wander. Allow them to be creative. Others may not agree with that. I think there needs to be the marrying of both. While you are promoting the book work, let them incorporate that into real life. Because what, what I've noticed too, Jocelyn, is that many times we will complete high school in Jamaica and we're classed or classified as being brilliant but we don't know how to apply whatever we have learned to real life. There is an imbalance in the scales. And, you know, I do applaud those who are academically inclined, who are able to regurgitate and, you know, their brains are able to remember everything and be able to, when, it, when it's test time, they're able to, you know, write the correct answers according to someone else's train of thought. Right. Um, I applaud that. You're, but at the same time, we don't want others to feel worthless. And yes, it has happened. There are psychological effects, lasting psychological effects. Um, some have suffered from that and they go through life not feeling worthy. It Absolutely. School could be damaging for a lot of people. Yeah. And in the Caribbean, we on we don't honor uh, the people um, the trade, you know, who go into the trade, um, plumbers and electrician, and those people are not honored in our society. It's all about academics and getting a hundred in math and a hundred in English, and um, it has to be. It has to stop. It. I, I so oppose it because I remember the person who came in last year. I wrote common entrance, and it traumatize that person mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know uh, and uh, caribbean people could be lovely but they could also be mean and <laughs> and, and, and it, you know this has to stop it's 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 not um it shouldn't be the knowledge of everyone on the island to know you know what a 12 year old did in school that's personal information just like medical information, your intellect should be considered the same thing as your, your, your health. Right.
Well, I tell you something, Jocelyn. Let me now jump on the other side of the fence and argue it from this perspective. Others might say, well, they have worked hard. They have achieved this success. So we should um, broadcast it. And in broadcasting it, what it should do is serve as motivation and inspiration for others to step up and challenge themselves and try to attain that kind of success. And yes, it has worked for some, but not for all. But now I'm going to go on the fence. So I, I did side A, did side B. Now I'm going to jump on top of the fence and let's talk about the pressure that we're putting on these who have attained the success. Now, they are held in high esteem. They are now placed under the microscope. And there are some who will tell you, because of the success that they have achieved, whether it is through diligently being consistent and um, con um, consistently studying and so on and so forth, they have been put under undue pressure by their parents and family members and schools because they cannot afford to fail and it causes psychological damage to them as well. So there needs to be a balance in the scales somewhere. I agree. I agree. Um, and, you know, we, we are wired differently. There are some that are wired for academics and there's some that are wired for the arts and we know well we know very well that the arts things like that they're not honored in the caribbean no if i had i grown up here i would not have gone into nursing because i'm not yes i did well in math and science and and all that but i prefer the arts i love interior design i love photography and and i these weren't event planning these weren't things that were offered back there you know um, i would not have made a living from that <laughs> in the caribbean so just let kids you know we we pressure them too much into mm -hmm. becoming what we think uh, is honorable in society like mm -hmm. doctors and lawyers well i agree with shakespeare let's get rid of all the lawyers we need them but the thing is, we have to relax. But here's the funny thing, as you're talking about the arts, uh, Jocelyn, every lawyer and doctor needs an artist or someone who's creative at some point, right? Let's talk about interior decorating. We need them to come into our homes and make the aesthetic pleasing. We need them to come into our offices and you know, set it up in such a way that people will be so inclined once they step in there, okay, yes, I feel as though I am in the right place. We need them <laughs> when we want to have our weddings. We need them to come in and set up the, the, the dining tables and, you know, coordinate everything. But yet we shun them. And it, it's a problem, not just in the Caribbean, but it, it's also throughout Africa as well. If your child comes to you and says, oh, I got 90%, instead of saying, awesome job, great job on achieving the 90%, what do we do? The first thing we say is, so why couldn't you have achieved 100? That's the first thing we say. If we come and say, oh, I came fifth in my class, instead of saying, great job, and applauding that child's efforts, the first thing we say is, so why couldn't you have come first? Another thing that we do 
in the Caribbean and in Africa is we compare. Our child comes home. They say, oh, mommy, I got an 85%. So who got a hundred? So why couldn't you get a hundred? Is that person better than you? Well, you need to start doing like them. Not realizing the psychological damage we create. And then what happens when some of us get old? Older, let me say, when we become adults. There are things that we want to embark on, but we don't. Why? Because we start second-guessing ourselves and we wonder where that comes from. It's from our childhood and never being good enough. Never being good enough. Parents, when they meet with teachers, all teachers are doing are pushing academia, academia. Get them extra lessons. Get them this and stuff. Everybody's stopping and saying, okay, what are the, the strengths of this child? Where do their strengths lie? Some children are brighter in the arts, which would cover literature, art, drama. Some are brighter in sciences than they are in the arts. Some are bright, you know, we need to, I have to agree with you, Jocelyn. We need to be, um, I keep getting the message that the servers are struggling on, on um, Clubhouse. But yeah, we need to stop being so focused on academia only. If someone is great at cooking, hone those skills. Push them in that direction. Okay, they love it. They have a passion for it. They want to become a chef. They want to own their own restaurant. No, we look down on that. But when they get out there and do open that restaurant and the restaurant is successful, that's when we want to claim them. Something is wrong with us. Good morning. Good morning, Javette. I agree with everything that was said, but I also want to add um, something, and it was just pertaining to me. There were times where I thought my daughter was going to be an artist because she had gravitated toward that. And that was something within our family makeup. But unfortunately, being a single parent, and I also have friends that didn't have single parents, due to work, we weren't able to nurture those things that children may have wanted to do my daughter always wanted to dance as well and i couldn't take her to dance class but i also reminded her when she reached a certain stage in life she can always reintroduce that to herself the things that she wanted to do and be as she was younger and i have to be thankful that she kept that in mind and now she's graduated college she actually has a career but she she is also doing the dancing she has found a way to bring that into her life along with the career so i don't want to negate us as parents totally mm -hmm. and i yield there okay fair enough Fair enough. We want to make sure that they are secure. 
we want to ensure that they have something to fall back on or we want to make sure that they have something stable that will give them the income to pursue the true passion and that's fair enough we don't you know as parents we don't want our children to fail and i get that we don't want them to have them a rough life especially if our life was hard we don't want that for them and so we try to push certain things on them i get that there's many children who have gone to college and don't get into the field that they went to school for not at all so which leads me to ask the question javed should schools somehow be promoting the arts more or should the artistic industry make it more um, appealing, promote the successes that can be attained in the art industry, the various forms of art? <laughs> I think this is, um, it's tough to negotiate because when I was in New York, New York had things more accessible for me that even though I couldn't do it during the week, I was able to pour all my time into her on the weekend. So she was able to do the dance class and the things in the museum and the art class and all of that stuff. Um, I think I mentioned before, when I moved here to Houston, it was harder for me because uh, they didn't have the, per se, weekend availability. You know, sports and things like that are very important here in Houston, and it's done all throughout the week. And I didn't have the family backing in order to accomplish that. So it really depends on where you're at. When I went to school, we had art class and math class and cooking class. And today we know that a lot of schools, they can't, they can barely afford music class, you know? So it's a, it's a slippery slope. And I hear a lot that we should depend on the schools you know, or we should make our own schools in order to give these things to our children, but we kind of have to work where we're at and, and, and try to find a way to encourage our children with what we have. And for me, I tell people now, try to be more accommodating or friendly with other parents. So if there is a parent that say stays at home and her child is able to take those classes, maybe you can have something set up that your child can go with that parent. And then maybe you can do something in return, maybe on the weekend, take all the kids because your weekend is off and give that parent a minute. I think we have to become a family again. Yes, yeah, I agree with you, I agree. All right, thank you so much, Javette. And thank you, Jocelyn, for your insight. Appreciate it. 
A second woman has been charged re illegal land sale at Clifton St. Catherine. The story, courtesy of Jamaica.lootnews.com. Another woman has been slapped with charges relative to the illegal sale of land close to Clifton in the Greater Bernard Lodge area of Portmore, St. Catherine. Natalie Walker, who is charged with conspiracy and is said to be the president of a citizens association in the area, appeared in the St. Catherine Parish Court on Friday, along with co-accused Sulan Ward-Brown, reportedly a school principal. The educator is charged with several offenses, including breaches of the Proceeds of Crime Act, Jamaica POCA, the Law Reform Fraudulent Transactions Special Provisions Act, and Common Law Conspiracy to Defraud of Land in Portmore, St. Catherine. She was offered $2 million bail back in October of last year. On the other hand, Walker, who was charged two weeks ago, was granted station bail in the sum of $200,000 and made her first court appearance on Friday. For her alleged role in the land scam, prosecutors said Walker was the person who called many of the now complainants in the case, an accusation that her defense team has rejected. The sum that was fleeced from the victims of the alleged scam has since been doubled, moving from the initial $4 million that was reported last year to $8 million. Ward, Brown and Walker had their bills extended to March 20, when the case will again be mentioned in court. Members of the Jamaica Constabulary Force, JCF, were tasked with conducting an investigation into the illegal sale of land in the Greater Bernard Lodge development area following the controversial demolition of unfinished houses in the area in October of last year. After being both criticized and praised for ordering the demolition exercise, Prime Minister Andrew Holness named the St. Catherine-based Klansman gang as being the ones who benefited the most from the scam. <laughs> So, um, the ladies are the, the ones leading the fraud, while the men are leading the um, gun charges. Lord have mercy. wonder if anybody else going to come up. Let's wait and see. <laughs> so, I'm a little late with this one as to what happened at the University of the West Indies. So, I'm going to do some catching up here. Let's see. Nadine must go. U.S. students demand Dr. Spence's sacking following sports day incident. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM. The University of the West Indies, Mona Campus, um, Chancellor and Mary C. Cole Halls of Residence. Let me rephrase. Um, let me start this over. I do apologize. Nationwide News understands that students of the Chancellor and Mary C. Cole Halls of Residence on the UEMONA campus are at this hour staging a protest against student services and development manager of Mary C. Cole Hall, Dr. Nadine Spence. The students are demanding she resign or be fired from the post. The students are also calling on Minister of Education and Youth Favel Williams to halt the process of appointing Dr. Spence as Interim Chief Executive Officer of the Child Protection and Families Agency, CPFSA. They are alleging Dr. Spence made disparaging and disrespectful comments to students assigned to Chancellor Hall at a Sports Day event on campus. 
The students say after they protested the treatment, the incident threatened to turn violent after armed men turned upon the campus and brandished guns. At least one chancellorite was reportedly assaulted by the men. It is not immediately clear who summoned the armed men to the campus. When contacted, Dr. Spence strongly denied any impropriety in the incident. The student services manager says she made an attempt to end a fight between Chancellor Wrights, which turned boisterous. She says she was verbally assaulted by Chancellor Boyce during the incident. Dr. Spence says she has no knowledge of any guns being drawn and the campus police have no such reports. Repeated efforts to reach the Mona campus police were unsuccessful. So it looks as though I need to go a little further. If anyone is familiar with what happened, what transpired, or has any more detail, please do not hesitate to share. Mm. I'm looking through stories here that transpired over the weekend to see what led or what exactly happened. So bear with me. Oh, as we're talking, one thing about people, you know, we are not forgiving at all. So did anyone see the um, story with regard to Jean and Panton going into court in a wheelchair? And many people are, you know, saying that she needs to get up and walk because when did she all of a sudden become ill that she's not able to walk? But anyway. All right, so I'm not seeing any story here as to what led to the issue on the UE, of UE campus in Jamaica. Anyway, JCC NIA Slam Integrity Commission over Corruption Probe Handling. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio, JM.com. More organizations are weighing in on the controversies surrounding the handling by the Integrity Commission of Issues surrounding Prime Minister Andrew Holness. The latest two are Jamaica Chamber of Commerce, JCC, and the National Integrity Action, NIA. The JCC says, like the rest of Jamaica, it was watched with alarm and dismay. The unfolding events surrounding the unseemingly inept release of information issued by the IC on the Westcon investigation involving the Prime Minister. It says it is the delay and specifically the length of the delay that has caused immeasurable damage to the office of the prime minister and the international reputation of the country. The JCC goes on to say it has seen nothing in the subsequent clarification issued by the Integrity Commission that explains its handling of the matter. According to the chamber, it firmly supports the tenet that no one is beyond scrutiny, but in this episode, the Commission's handling reflects poor judgment at best and amounts to at least reckless disregard for the impact it is reporting that it would have on the country. It says for this alone, the Chamber requires further justification and in the absence of such, it is called for swift accountability and consequence at the highest level of the Commission. And the National Integrity Action, NIA, is calling on the Integrity Commission to urgently convene a press briefing, briefing rather, in light of the likelihood that public confidence in the body has been shaken. So the whole Westcon thing, because he gave his someone close to him the contract, really stirring up. 
um, can we go back in history? And can we then look at every single contract that has been handed out under both administrations, both PNP and GLP, and then settle it from there? Let us look at every contract under every ministry, under every portfolio, under every par parliamentarian. Let us, let, let's go back and let us audit every single one of them that's what i'm gonna call for go ahead o'neill um without sounding political well let me say this jamaica is a small country so obviously nepotism exists um and it's very it's very prevalent um it is sometimes very difficult to not know somebody who knows somebody in the process of granting contracts. I really don't think the issue is that Andrew Olness just knows these people. I think the issue is that he has recommended them, referred them to these agencies, and has written letters to ask for them to get the jobs. And I think the other issue that, that we should never ignore is that the procurement processes in which these contracts were granted was never followed. So if we look at it from the surface of, oh, Westcon got some contracts and Andrew Olness knew the owners for 20 years, and if you look at all the parliamentarians, you're going to see a similarity of people knowing people who were granted contracts. The issue is not that people are granted contracts that you know and have a relationship. The issue is um, procurement was not followed. And in every, in private sector, public sector, and um, for example, if you're doing business with Red Stripe, Diageo, Cable and Wireless, especially the first world, the, the bigger Digicel, there is a procurement process. There's a procurement officer. There is um, steps and balances at stake to ensure that the right person is getting the job, the right person is getting the contract, that, it's, it, that it is a bidding process, that it is fairly followed. The issue is not that Andrew Olness' friend get the work and the own Westcon. The issue is that Andrew Olness' friend owned the company, he recommended them for the contracts and procurement was not followed. But the question is, why was there interference in the process using his power as a parliamentarian, as a member of parliament, to ensure that these people got the job and the, the procurement process was circumvented? That's the real question. I yield the floor. Thank you, Neil. So last week we had, a, well, I echoed my thoughts on the whole thing. Nepotism can be good and can be bad, but everybody has at some point benefited from nepotism. Let's think of ourselves for a second. Let's step back. And let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us have benefited from knowing somebody? How many of us have got a job because of whom we know or whom someone we know? No. How many people are sitting in positions where protocol was not followed through and through? 
this world operates off of networking no matter how much hold on let me finish no matter how much qualification you have no matter what it's who knows who now while i can say okay i agree that the steps should have been followed or certain things should have been placed to cover the to you know cover cya cover your ass cover all your tracks i get that but is that the case in every situation no it doesn't happen so now we're going to start if we're going to push for 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 you know for him to be held accountable we're going to have to push for everybody to be held accountable and going forward we're no longer going to do who know who we're going to cut that out right granted who know who sometimes serves well not in every situation and i'm not talking about politics alone i'm talking in general we also spoke last week and we said that even companies they ask you for referrals who do you know who do you know because they are of the belief that if they hire someone that you know they're possibly getting a better candidate and they don't have to go through the they, they still go through the, the um system enough but the rigorousness of it is not as is not the same so it happens in all places it does happen you can't escape it and it's not going anywhere it's not going anywhere well michelle i think the thin line that we're again as i said it's not about who you know and who you know getting the work and if it's wrong it's wrong two wrongs don't make a right so if it's wrong that somebody got a job because they know somebody is wrong but listen to this when the police stop me can catch me breaking the red light i can't tell him say don't charge me because five cars went before me he never caught the five cars he caught me so if he caught me the consequences of my actions is going to bear i could always say why are you charging me and five people pass right he just never caught those five people does that make it right that they got through the red light no but he never catch them and your owners get caught when current spencer got caught in the scandal with the bulbs he got caught so he had to go through the rigors of paying for his crime were there other politicians doing the same thing that current spencer did yes they were they never got caught so i think we have to be careful that we say oh because no everybody do it then why we can a big deal out of this situation you make an example out of what gets caught right and one other thing networking it's there's a difference between networking and referrals and breaking the rules there's a difference with between a recommendation and following processes and every time so like in america the same is like we don't stop at stop signs in jamaica we drive through stop signs <laughs> but when we reach america we stop at every stop sign it's not that like we don't know what to do and we don't know right from wrong 
we just refuse, based on the environment that we're in, to do the right thing. And the last thing I guess about angioulness is this. If we're going to talk, and we're going to talk about the reality. So we all know so Jamaica is a pirate con- country and was built on piracy from Henry Morgan, Port Royal, Roddy, Robin Lutin, um, raping. That's how Jamaica was built. And that spirit has transferred through the generations. But when Andrew Olness can explain his unexplained wealth, he has never worked a day in his life with the exception of public office. And he owns asset that is higher than any salary he has ever legitly earned, including his wife's salary. So I think this situation that we're seeing with this Westcon is the tip of the iceberg. I think a lot more is coming. I yield the floor. Noted, um, O'Neill. Noted. It's not just Jamaica. <laughs> Let's not forget that, though. Even though, and I understand the point you're making about um, following the rules and using the analogy of the stop sign because it's something I speak about all the time, that when in Jamaica we, we, we are lawless, but when we land overseas, automatically we fall in line. Um, but this happens everywhere. So I didn't, well, you know what, I didn't know it was a crime, but anyway. <laughs> well, all I'm gonna say those people who are throwing yeah. the stones they better check their glass houses Michelle, Michelle all I'm saying you know, and what I'm trying to say is there's no crime in nepotism you know. there's a crime in not following a process so remember with law it's about breaking the law is about breaking the rule of law there's no law that says I can't hire my cousin, but there's a law that says in, in hiring my cousin, the process must be followed. So I don't, if we blur the lines, if, as I said, if we look at it from the angle of everybody know everybody and help everybody, then it looks like that is how we foster and there's a lot more, cor- that's how corruption happens. Because we brush everything out of the carpet, because everybody do it. Everybody does it. The difference is everybody hires a family member and have human, we have favor. But was their process and was the process followed is the real question. If the process was followed and the person is the best candidate, because remember there's discrimination also. Because if, if, if I'm discriminated against because my father is a member of parliament, so I don't get the job just because he's a member, that's discrimination. I should get the job, not just because my father is a member of parliament. I should get the job because I'm the best qualified candidate for the job. And the process should be followed. So that's how fairness and balance in law come in play. When a process is followed and everybody is treated equal and fairly. So I think we need to... I'm looking at it from the perspective that what is happening and the reason why there's an uproar is because if we keep sweeping things under the carpet and say everybody do it and it's not a crime and, you know, Paul do it and Paul at your stone, Paul maybe do it and never get caught. If, if somebody commit murder and was, never caught, and was never caught committing the murder, it doesn't mean they're not a murderer. It means they just wasn't caught. 
Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, O'Neill. Appreciate your comments. <laughs> so, morning, good morning, James. Go right ahead. Yeah, can I add to what O'Neill is saying? Go ahead. Um, saying? Go right ahead. Okay, so, so you see what's happening in Turkey right now, right? Um, and the outcries have been out that, look, it's not the earthquake that really killed the people in, in, in Turkey. Uh -huh. It's the corruption in government and um, the fact that a lot of these multi-million dollar companies were able to skip the process because they, they have someone in, in, in government. Uh -huh. And all of those buildings that were just crumbling, um, a lot of stuff were, were, were skipped because of corruption in government. So when we're talking about corruption in government, we have to take all of those stuff into consideration. Like, you know, people getting contracts, people doing stuff because they have people in political offices and they're able to skip. And might not affect immediately, but, you know, Turkey is a good example of, you know, polit um, politicians taking money um, for, for big corporations to, to skip certain process in, in the building code. And a result of that is thousands of debt. And like what's going to be like a political unrest because the people are fed up now because people realize that most of the people that died could have been prevented if not for government corruption. So we, I think that's something that we need to look into also. Like a lot of these companies that are getting these contracts, they're not qualified. And because they get the job so easily, they're able to skip the, the processes. And, um, you know, like a lot of, like when you see like... Um, What's his name? That 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 um, De Desmond McKenzie were like I'm um, going after um, people with building code. Like a lot of stuff came out back in the past that that was political. Like people on the other side were able to skip certain things and get through. So yeah, political corruption goes way beyond. So you know, I think we have to take that into consideration. Right. And somebody somebody has to pay at some point. So even if the PMP get away with it and, and someone from the JLP get caught. No, we can't continue using the excuse for generations and generations that everybody did. Somebody I'm, 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 so some I'm sorry. I have, I'm sorry. I have to jump in. I don't remember hearing anybody excusing him of what's going on. The only person, <laughs> the only person that excused him was himself because he claimed that he never gave a job to someone because he's known them. But I didn't hear anyone say that we were excusing them. Exactly. Did I miss something? No, you did not. Because that, and I'm okay. glad you said that because I was going to wrap up um, this article by saying what I'm trying to highlight is the hypocrisy. That is what I'm trying to highlight. And I'm saying if we're going to call him out, call out everything and see to it that going forward things are done differently for every single situation that's what i'm really saying if you, you know if you've been listening since last week that's what i've been pushing at without having to come out and say it, um word for word i just think the only thing michelle is that and i get it i heard your point and i agree with your point that we should help, we should hold everybody accountable. But I also believe that um, every every system of accountability starts 
It's a numbers game. Starts with one. In law, there's precedence. So the moment you, any any day, uh, well, there have been situations in Jamaica that we have um, charged and 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 um, exec uh, executed uh, the act of criminal court against a politician. Jack Smith went to prison, and there were other politicians who went to prison in the past. So it's not impossible. But what in the current state of mind in Jamaica, and coming from Jamaica up to 2019, corruption ranked as one of the biggest issues in the surveys. But it's one thing that the Jamaican people don't think is a big issue. So they know it exists, but they don't really care about it. It's not a bread and butter issue for them because they don't impact their pockets. The reason why that we're seeing this uptick now from the populace about corruption, the SSL situation has actually focused light on it because now the ordinary man can see themselves in a Usain Bolt. He's, a, he's not a white man. He's a regular little boy from down in um, thing. So he has humanized corruption and sensitize it where the average person can realize it can reach me too. It can reach my cousin. It can reach... Because remember, we have athletes at every single level in the high school. In every little community, there's a little athlete star that can become a Usain Bolt. So, so all of a sudden, the populace is now in tuned with the impact of corruption. And that's why we're seeing... The, the languages and the conversation is getting... And it is a good thing. It's a good thing because now the ordinary man will think about those is that issue when they're voting. Now it becomes a part of the dynamic of a consideration. Okay, who is this person leading me and are they above board? Right? What has been happening in Jamaica is that corruption will sweep under the table. Everybody had to do it. I don't care. PMP do it for much years. PJ passing to the thief and Porsche this. And, and Shell Weaver scandal back in 1993. And Kern Spencer. And what has been happening is a revolving door of people making excuses and dismissing corruption as a stain that us exists. Now it is now humanized. I can now lose money in the bank. I can now lose money in a financial institution. And unexplained wealth, if you're going after the little boy down in Montego Bay who built a $60 million house in 2013, why are you not asking Andrew Holness, where did you get the millions of dollars to build this house in Beverly Hills? And you never ever for a day in your life worked outside of the public sector and your salary in the public sector cannot and you never took a mortgage you never borrowed a loan where did the money come from okay did you get paid by westcon is it that you are doing all these little deals over time um collecting money in cash from the construction the contractors from people in these government agencies for favors well, look at the bigger picture. 
the conversation is really not about him knowing somebody for 20 years. The conversation is, how many of these cases have you been involved in? How much money have you taken to get to give somebody a contract? How did you build that house in Beverly Hills and the other apartment up in Norbrook and own the other piece of land where value more than the house where you build? Where did the money come from? That's the real question. All right. All right. Thank you so much, O'Neill. Thank you, James. Thank you, Javette. And the conversation will continue, I am sure, as more comes to light. Government earmarks $2.7 billion for coastal surveillance. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM.com. The government is to spend $2.7 billion in the next financial year to further improve the country's coastal surveillance. That's according to estimates of expenditure for for fiscal year 2023 to 2024. The funding will be used to acquire equipment to facilitate the JDF's ability to monitor and safeguard Jamaica's border. It'll be implemented under the Jamaica Defense Force, JDF. The nearly $3 billion expenditure will be used to make contractual payments necessary for the procurement of coastal surveillance equipment. A further $2 billion is expected to be spent in 2024 to 2025. The government of Jamaica has thus far spent cumulatively $7.2 billion on the project up to December 2022. This has been used to facilitate the procurement of radar, marine offshore patrol vessels, cameras, software, hardware and other equipment. Two new marine patrol vessels have so far been acquired. Meanwhile, nearly $1 billion will be used to further enhance the use of tech in national security. The program has so far seen the implementation of the much-lauded Jamaica Eye system. And this system seeks to enhance the surveillance capabilities of the security forces. This has been done at a cost of nearly $4 billion over the last few years. Next year, the government intends to continue the pro procurement of software and hardware to build out the security forces' cybersecurity capability. And that wraps up our stories out of the Caribbean corner. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we have uh, stories out of Latin America and the international scene. Here is Nadia Batson to wake us up a little more on this Move It Monday in Soka Styley Trinidad Carnival. I'll be coming back for you.
you to everyone listening online, the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. up later on tonight 10 p.m eastern it is days after dark real relationship to us join us we'll be live on qmzreader.com and janoreader.com and the conversation happens on clubhouse hey, i want to see the bump of them rolling 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 look the bump of them rolling 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 now push it back on everyone listening on janoradio.com download that jano radio app j-a-h-k-n-o it is available in your apple and google play stores jano radio take us on the go we're gonna re- get right back to more stories right after this keep it locked
And it's time for us to go ahead and get back to more news. Starting off in Brazil, floods, landslides killed dozens in Brazil, Sao Paulo state. The following stories are courtesy of Al Jazeera.com. Torrential rain has triggered flooding and landslides in coastal areas of Brazil's southeast, killing at least 36 people and displacing hundreds of others. In Sao Paulo state, television and social media footage from the town of Sao Sebastião on Sunday showed entire neighborhoods underwater. Debris from hillside houses swept away by mud, as well as flooded highways and cars destroyed by fallen trees. The town, which is 124 miles north of the city of Sao Paulo, and where many people from the capital spend the holiday weekend ahead of the Christian Festival of Lent, was one of the hardest hit. As a record 24 inches of rain fell in 24 hours, this is according to city officials. At least 35 people died, according to a statement from the Sao Paulo state government. A seven-year-old girl was also killed in the neighboring town of Ubatuba. Our prayers are with them. The pictures are just horrific to look at. So there is a state of emergency that has been declared in five towns along the coast. Uh, The government has said at least 566 people have been displaced or made homeless. In our next story, China slams Blinken's comments on the Russia-Ukraine war. China says it will not accept the U.S. pointing fingers after U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Beijing is considering providing arms to Russia. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. Beijing has strongly denied U.S. claims that China was considering arming Russia in its war against Ukraine as it reiterated a call for dialogue to end the conflict. A Chinese spokesperson said the United States is in no position to make demands after U.S. top diplomat Antony Blinken warned Beijing against providing weapons to Russia in the war against Ukraine. Speaking at a regular briefing on Monday, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin said China will never accept the U.S. pointing fingers at Sino-Russian relations or even coercing us. His comments come after Blinken expressed deep concerns about the possibility that China will provide lethal material support to Russia. To date, we have seen Chinese companies provide non-lethal support to Russia for for use in Ukraine. The concern that we now have is based on information we have that they're considering providing lethal support. That's what Blinken told CBS News after he met China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi on Saturday at the Munich Security Conference. Wang Wenbin said the U.S. Be quiet. Sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing. This is nothing to laugh about. This is really serious, though. This is really serious. And I'm not saying either party is right. But when we are going to stand on our stools or stand on our counters and point fingers, remember when you're pointing one finger, how many we have pointing back at us? The thumb is going up in the air, right? And then three are pointing right back at us. Even if you point the thumb forward, that's two pointing at someone else, but still you have more more fingers pointing back at you. So be very careful. 
And we all are guilty of it to some degree. We're, we're quick to criticize and condemn and tear down others while we are doing the same or probably worse. I'm not saying China is right and I'm not saying the U.S. is right. But we, we need to learn how to take the beam out of our eye as well. Are we, do we have a solid foot upon which to stand? to critique anyone else's actions and decisions. What puts us in that position? What gives us the authority? Broken wires, uh, this speaks to what you were saying earlier, James. Broken wires and faulty renovation caused the India Bridge mishap probe. Investigation into deadly collapse of suspension bridge in Gujarat's Morbi town finds several structural and operational violations broken corroded wires improper welding and changes to the walking surface of a 145 year old hanging bridge in india contributed to its collapse last year that killed 135 people an investigation has found the colonial era suspension bridge in morbi town in the western state of gujarat was packed with sightseers when it collapsed on October 30, plunging hundreds into the Machu River. It had reopened just days before, following months of repair. A five-member special investigation team formed by the state government found that the main cables were not inspected or replaced. No load test or structural test was conducted before opening the bridge, and far more people were present on the bridge during the incident than its capacity main cable of the upstream side was found broken on one side out of the 49 wires of the main cable 22 were corroded which indicates that those wires may be already broken before the incident the remaining 27 wires recently broke the bridge, which is 233 meters in length and 1.25 meters wide, had been closed for more than seven months for repairs until the week of the deadly collapse. Security camera footage showed a group of young men taking photos while others tried to rock the bridge from side to side in the moments before the cable snapped and they plunged from the narrow walkway. Speaks to your point, um, very valid point, James that we ought to see to it that things are done in accordance with protocol. A lot of failed steps here. Because if the bridge was closed for seven months for repairs, why were there broken, corroded wires? Improper welding. Who inspected it prior to the reopening? Likely, no one. Why is it that the number of people who are allowed on the bridge at a particular time or at any given time, why is that number being adhered to? So clearly, no one was in place to see to it that the preventative measures are in place. So there are a lot of people who now fall responsible. Yeah, moments. And, and this remind this reminded me of, um, I think it happened in France years ago where, I don't remember if it's France, but one of those European countries where a bridge collapsed and killed, uh, a lot of people died. Um, and the the company, the, I think the CEO of the company and 
one of the big politicians in 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 that area was arrested um because you know certain loopholes and and certain things that they skipped and my fear is that like you know when you look into like say corruption like for example like in Jamaica where in our lifetime only one politician i can remember going to going to serve in time or or get in charge and this is the concern like sometimes like if something happened because of shortcuts or whatever and people you know die because of it you know politicians and and CEOs of these companies will get away like in some of these european countries and in america they do their investigation and they realize that okay the the, the company the the company didn't go through the the, the process that you know when they tender the process to see which company would um serve best getting this contract and have more experience in in building these type of infrastructure they skip all of that process and they give it to like friends or family members who you know still go ahead and skip all the process to save money and people life end up you know paying for it at the end of the day so yeah but the thing with some of these countries at least you know if any incident like this happen um people are held accountable and people end up in prison yeah all right thank you james um the unfortunate thing is that this had to happen for the problems to be highlighted people's lives taken which could have been avoided if people did their jobs properly israeli diplomat removed from african union summit a senior israeli diplomat has been removed from the african union's annual summit in ethiopia as a dispute over Israel's accreditation to the, to the block escalated. A video posted on social media showed security personnel walking Ambassador Sharon Barley out of the auditorium during the opening ceremony of the summit in Addis Ababa on Saturday. Eba Kalondo, the spokesperson for the African Union's chairman, said the diplomat was removed because she was not the duly accredited Israeli ambassador to Ethiopia, the official who was expected. An AU official later told AFP news agency the diplomat who was asked to leave had not been invited to the meeting with a non-transferable invitation issued only to Israel's ambassador to the African Union, Aleli Admasu. It is regrettable that the individual in question would abuse such a courtesy, the official said. The move was swiftly condemned by Israel, of course, what you expect. Israel looks harshly upon the incident in which the Deputy Director for Africa, Ambassador Sharon Barley, was removed from the African Union Hall despite her status as an accredited observer with entrance badges. That's according to the Israeli Foreign Ministry. Israel blamed the incident on South Africa and Algeria, two key nations in the 55-country bloc, saying okay why is my screen jumping up and down okay saying they were holding the au hostage and were driven by hate <laughs> i'm waiting for the u.s to speak out about that one again i am here having the um the red bar that keeps telling me the servers are struggling so i do hope my folks on clubhouse are hearing because it seems to be a clubhouse issue all right, and I, let me tell you, how do you ask, rather, not tell, let me ask, the proper pronunciation for this country, is it Mauritius, M-A-U, 
M-A-U-R-I-T-I-U-S. Is it Mauritius? Am I saying it correctly? I'll call it Mauritius. Mauritius. Okay. Thank you, Sudet. By the way, Sudet, welcome. Good welcome. morning. Welcome to beautiful, cold South Florida. It's cold for me because it's 75 degrees. So You've got to be kidding. It is a beautiful 75 degrees. It's warm in the morning. I don't get to 75 until maybe... Two o'clock in the afternoon on a lucky day. <laughs> 75 is great. It's hot. I'm loving it. Welcome. Welcome to South Florida, Sadat. Definitely. You know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. I know what you mean. But when us tropical people not accustomed to this, yeah, we shiver and we put on our sweaters. Um, when was it? Yesterday or Saturday? Saturday, yes, Saturday morning. It was a nice, you know, between 70 and 75. But we were out and about in our sweaters, many people, because it was freezing for us. <laughs> Mauritius has grounded flights and shut its stock exchange as tropical cyclone Freddie approaches, posing a direct threat to the Indian Ocean Island. A Class 3 cyclone warning was in force in Mauritius on Monday, allowing about six hours of daylight before the occurrence of wind gusts 75 miles per hour mauritius along with other indian ocean countries such as madagascar and african coastal nations like mozambique is regularly affected by severe storms and cyclones capable of destroying homes infrastructure and crops the idyllic holiday destination is renowned for its spectacular white sand beaches and turquoise waters hope everyone there will be safe um as I'm saying this, though, over the weekend we were talking about Libya. Is it true that in Libya there is no homelessness? You know, I didn't look it up on Google. But there are countries. Um, let me look it up. Libya. There are countries around the world um, that are better to live in. <laughs> and I just have to, there's no other way for me to say it. There are better places to live in this country. Countries um, that actually look after their people. Where's Libya located? Okay, right. Libya is right between Algeria, Tunisia, and Egypt. Algeria is to the direct west, Egypt to the east, Tunisia to the northwest. And then to the south, you have Niger and Chad. And then to the south, East, you have Sudan. Hmm. Okay. Population, 6.7 million. Capital, Tripoli. What do you mean the origin? Hmm, okay. So, at one point, the Italians, it was a part of the Italian colony. And that happened between 1912 and 1947. Then... It was under British and French occupation from 1943 to 1951. Interesting. Languages spoken, Arabic and modern standard Arabic. What's the difference between Arabic and modern standard Arabic? Is it kind of like um, Latin American Spanish? Or is, this, is it similar, I should ask, to Latin American Spanish versus Spanish out of Spain? Is similar but different? Or is one proper and the other broken? Just wondering. Just wondering. Um, I'm trying to see, to verify the information regarding Libya and its people, how they take care of their people. 
Libya, that's the country where what's his name was killed, right? Um, what's his name? The one who was pushing for one currency and all of that. Gaddafi, Gaddafi, Gaddafi. Go ahead. Was that you, Dre? Go ahead. No, it wasn't Dre. Go ahead. Who was that? Who opened their mic? Okay, so Julie put it in the chat. Gaddafi. Okay, so Virginia is confirming for me. Thank you, Virginia. English versus Old English. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Gaddafi. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. One day I'll visit there. North Korea confirms ICBM test and touts nuclear counterattack counter ability. North Korea has said it fired an intercontinental ballistic missile, ICBM, as a warning to the United States and South Korea, claiming the drill successfully demonstrated its capacity to launch a fatal nuclear counterattack. The North Korean statement on Sunday came a day after it launched the Huang Kwa Song 15, which was into the sea off Japan's west coast after warning of a strong response to upcoming military drills by the U.S. and South Korea. Oh, Lord, more tests. And the IMF is saying to crisis hits hit Pakistan, tax the rich, protect the poor. International Monetary Fund has urged Pakistan to protect the poor and impose more taxes on the wealthy as the South Asian nation seeks to unlock, unlock funds from the global lender to keep its economy afloat. Speaking over the weekend with German broadcaster Deutsche Welle on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference, IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva said, Why are we asking for steps Pakistan needs to take when the steps that we're asking no, hold on. Come on, everybody. Am I reading wrong this morning? Do I need my glasses this morning? I probably do. What we're asking for are steps Pakistan needs to take to be able to function as a country and not get into a dangerous place where its debt needs to be restructured. Acknowledging last year's devastating floods, which left more than one-third of Pakistan inundated and caused damage estimated at more than $30 billion, the IMF chief said it wants Pakistan to protect its poor. I want to stress that we are emphasizing two things. Number one, tax revenues, those who can, those that are making good money, public or private sector, need to contribute to the economy. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Let me ask a question. 10% of a million dollars, it's $100,000, right? 10% of $1,000 is $100, right? Why can't everybody just pay one flat tax regardless of where you fall? 10% is 10%. Is that unreasonable? Why should, because I am rich, I pay less, or because I'm poor, I pay less, and vice versa, because I'm rich, I pay more, or because I'm poor, I pay more? Because the truth is, the poor are always the ones paying more, right? The rich are always protected. But why can't everyone just pay the same right across the board? Kind of similar to state taxes, right? 
depending on where you live. For example, here in South Florida, if you live in Dade County, um, your taxes when you're when you are at the register, it's seven point seven point five percent. Yeah, versus Fort Lauderdale. I need to double check that because I stopped looking at it. Um, but regardless, so everybody, let's say everybody in Miami Dade County pays the same seven percent. Seven percent it is. Regardless of your income bracket, regardless of how much you make, when you go to the register to pay for an item, you pay 7%. Why can't that be across the board for everybody? And that, in my eyes, that's leveling the, the playing field. So you don't have one group saying they're feeling the brunt more than the other group. Is that unreasonable? Someone please let me know. Am I being unreasonable in asking for that? Or should because um, James is a multimillionaire, instead of paying 10%, he pays 20%. What are your thoughts on that? Is the sound weird? The sound is weird to me too, Javette. I don't know what's going on, but it's sounding weird to me too. I know I keep getting the thing on my popping up on my screen about Clubhouse. So I'm not sure what's going on. Anybody else hearing the weird sound? Yeah, just a little bit of uh, fuzziness in the background. Yeah, I don't know what's I, going on. I think the concept of a flat tax uh, sounds good, but in reality, I, I I do believe that if you have if you have a lot more, maybe you can give give a little because we have a large segment of, of the population that don't pay any tax because they're not earning enough to actually um uh, pay tax so would you really tax someone that's really on government assistance or that can be able to feed themselves I, I think if you, if you have more you should contribute more the, the issue is how much more do you contribute but right now the system is so skewed especially in this country where even a lot of major corporations um they have a lot more and they're paying effectively a less tax rate than you and I. When you think of all of our state tax or social security tax or federal income tax and all these things, you know, our tax rate is way higher than a lot of these corporations who are making um, billions. So a flat tax is a good idea. It sounds good, but I don't, I don't think it's practical because we have to help to pull up those who really need the help. Because the truth is you are okay in Florida, I'm okay in New Jersey, but many of us, and we're just one sickness away from from you know devastation where we we, lo we lose everything and and what do you do then? Mm -hmm. Could you say, well, you, well, you should have saved your money when you were working. Now that you are you're in need of help, I can use my money to help you. You got to just so I I don't think a flat tax would necessarily um work. We need what we need is a is a fairer tax system. Fair you know, when you, when system you, that's that's really the key right there. Is a fairer system. That benefits the rich and also do benefit the poor. The poor. Because, and I'm glad you said a fair tax system, right? So let's talk about the rich and the wealthy, those who create jobs. We have to make it fair for them too, right? Because they're the ones who are brave and willing. We all know, y'all don't take me to the chopping block now because we all know a lot of them get grants and loads and what have you but still they're the ones who are brave enough to risk it to create these industries 
So we have to be fair. And you are right, um, naturalist. Many of us are one paycheck away from homelessness. Many of us are trying our hardest to keep up. And the truth is there is an imbalance in the scales, the income not matching the, the, uh, the expenses. It, it isn't for many folks. And when you talk about necessities such as food, water, I'm not talking about clothing per se, right? But I'm going to stick to food, water, electricity. Those prices just keep going up and there's not much you can do. So I agree that with you naturalists that if we tax the wealthy a little bit more, it can help offset the expenses or ease the burden for those who are struggling. Uh, okay, so Virginia says that since the, there, they did an update, there has been a glitch on Clubhouse. So it's not us, Javette. It's not us. It's Clubhouse for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. I'll tell you that much. It's extremely annoying for me at least. But I was just wondering, you know, if, you know, if we had that across the board, it would stop the bickering between the classes because everybody appears 10%, no matter what. If your 10% is um, $2, it's $2. You keep it moving. All right. Um, I'm more, sorry. No, go ahead, Jocelyn. Go I'm right more ahead. in favor of healthcare for all and good education and um, like the Canadian way. You know, pay higher taxes, but get good, better serve, get better services. Mhm, mm mhm, mm mhm. Mm yeah, 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 yeah. Focus on those things. <laughs> I'm really, I'm here scanning because I'm trying to find the video. I did see the video, by the way, um, that Biden spoke about paying pension in ukraine and i'm here scouring to find it because i really want to play it so y'all don't think i'm lying i saw the video and i'm trying to find it back this is just ridiculous you want me to pay pension when our pension over here is threatened we don't even know if when we get older there's going to be social security in place it's funny how we can find the money for ukraine which leads me to ask the question what's the deal what's really going on I'm waiting for an answer from um, Biden administration. What's really going on? Joe Biden has made an announce has made an unannounced wartime visit to Ukraine in a show of support ahead of the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion. The U.S. president has promised $500 million of additional military aid to Kiev and further sanctions against Russia, saying President Vladimir Putin's war plans are plain wrong. The Kremlin accuses Moldova's leaders of pursuing an anti-Russian agenda amid mounting tensions between the two countries. And China's top diplomat is due in Moscow for talks after the United States warned Beijing against providing weapons to Russia. So, you know what, the hypocrisy, let me, let me just keep it moving, the hypocrisy, that's all I'm going to say. So how do we feel about, as I continue to search, 
just one last question how do we feel about um us paying the pension of senior citizens in ukraine how do we feel about that are we for it or we're saying no we need to draw the line at some point you're all taxpayers so i just want to know how you feel well i believe that uh, we know that germany won the economic war in europe how come they're not volunteering to pay the taxes to pay uh, to to pay for retirement why is it we always have to step up when we are in need of so much in this country exactly aren't our senior citizens not getting enough in social security Do you know that um, the increase that senior citizens got during the pandemic, I think it was 90-something dollars increase that they got in food benefits. It's being taken away from them. You know that, right? Now that the pandemic is, quote-unquote, over, they're no longer going to get to keep that extra $95 a month. Bear in mind... Their social security income is fixed, hasn't changed. They're not getting an increase there. And you're going to take away $95 from them. $95 per month. That's almost $1,000 extra per year. You're going to strip away from them. But we can give money to pay the pension of senior citizens in Ukraine. Can somebody make that make sense to me? Because I don't understand it. To me, it's as though you're, all of you in here are my children, right? And my responsibility is to provide for all of you. But somebody moves in next door and I'm going to cook you come into the kitchen and say, hey, is dinner ready? Yes, it's ready, but I can't give it to you. I have to give it to the neighbors. But we're hungry. Oh, no, you're hungry, but they need it because they're hungry. As a matter of fact, they're hungrier than you. So I'm going to take the food, take it next door, give it to the neighbor and say, y'all eat. <laughs> you know, thank you. You know, we're here to help you. We're here to feed you. And then all of you look at me and ask me, well, what am I going to eat? I don't know. Figure it out. And tomorrow comes and it's the same thing. I keep feeding them. Making them stronger. And then they get up and go out and become successful while you in my house are starving. You don't have the nutrition in your body that you need to keep you going. Now you start getting sick. And I can't afford to take you to the doctor. Or you can't go to the doctor because there's no money for you to go to the doctor. Well, that's what I'm telling you. But in the meantime, I'm making sure my neighbors are going to the doctor should they get ill. Well, that's what we're doing. We say charity starts at home. And I'm not saying you don't help. That's not what life is about. Life is not turning a blind eye. 
But how can you pour from an empty cup? You're filling up somebody else's vessel while we are empty. I see, you know, I see the Ukraine laughing at us. I don't know why. What is the deal with the U.S. and the Ukraine? And I get it. We don't want to put soldiers on the ground there. I get it. This is probably the cheaper alternative. But right now, we are struggling here. The value of our spending dollar is diminishing. I used to be able to give you a whole sandwich. Now I have to cut it in half and share the sandwich. I have to give a half to Sonette and a half to Rosolo because I can't afford to give Rosolo a full sandwich anymore. Your taxpayer dollars, folks. Do we even have a say? They just make the decision for us, right? We don't have a say in what goes on. We try to cry out for help here, and we're ignored. People who are working get up every day making an honest living. Some people with two jobs still have to turn around and go to food banks, show up at their local community centers, at their churches. But we have the money to pay pension in Ukraine. We have the money to pay salaries of government workers in Ukraine. Medical staff in Ukraine, we have the money to pay them, to pay their salaries. I said it a couple weeks ago, to alleviate the burden. They could give every single American citizen and natural, uh, what you call it, green card holder, $400 a month everybody to kind of ease the burden okay let us say you don't want to give people who make a million dollars and more okay i get or five hundred thousand and more but everybody else they can stand to give them four hundred dollars each person so if a six are in the household everybody i get four hundred dollars a piece if it's two of you four hundred dollars a piece to ease the economic burden when are we going to start caring about our own? I don't know, but I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing these stories where we are giving and giving and giving and giving to everybody else but ourselves. Oh, here is something I'm noticing while I'm hearing about this year with folks who are filing their income tax returns. <laughs> there are a lot of people who work are now told they owe but people who don't work are getting back thousands of dollars and there are people who are probably getting back barely anything because they were they're told that according to uncle sam they the irs they made too much money 
and they're trying to scratch their heads and figure out made too much money when my all my bills are past due i'm trying to play catch up and these i'm not talking about people who do frivolous spending and i'm talking about people who are limited they take care they pinch their pennies and they're being told i owe you owe but yet people who don't work are able to get back five six seven thousand dollars how is that how does that make sense that's the question I, I can't explain it I don't know how is that reasonable every week money comes out of your paycheck or every two weeks or however often you're paid money comes out but you're told when you're filing your taxes you still owe how does that work folks somebody explain it to me because I, I i don't know how it works i'm trying to wrap my head around it and i'm <laughs> Dre says it's always like that. If you don't work, you get back all the taxes and all the government benefits. It's like the government punishes the middle class and rewards the lazy. And I'm not saying that the folks who genuinely need the help shouldn't get the help. I'm not saying that. We need to look after the elderly. We need to look after the sick. We need to look after our children. We need to look after those who are truly struggling. But there are people, as Dre said, who refuse to do anything because they realize that they stand to gain more when they do nothing. And they look at us who get up and try to hustle every day and laugh at us. How do we level the playing field? How do we make it fair? How do we not frustrate those who bust their behinds daily? Many not making over $50,000 a year, but are told they make too much. When you look at the cost of living, let's look at rent. Rent alone. And we're not talking in, in good neighborhoods, just a normal neighborhood, $1,500 for a one-bedroom. In a low-income neighborhood, no, that's what we're talking about. But they make too much money, 50000 I don't know. It's a lot, I don't know. A whole heap, I don't know. We're going to take a quick music break. Um, when we get back, we have more stories out of North America for you. Ready, 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 ready.
Gotta say a big thank you to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone listening on JohnNoRadio.com. Don't forget to download that JohnNoRadio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. JohnNoRadio, take us on the go. And of course, I got to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you are tuned in and listening to Coffee Into World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. So please don't have no fear. The energy is rare. I paint the picture clear. And I love it because I'm a player of the culture. And it's on your waist Meet me day, meet me day Meet me ready back and all this This is the time to pick up the pace Up in the ear make everything pace Cause I on the road to back and all Meet me, meet me, meet me So let me go to back and all Meet me, meet me, meet me I on the road to back and all Meet me, meet me, meet me So let me go to back and all It is Movement Monday on Coffee and Toe. We do it in Soka Styly as we help you get ready for Trinidad Carnival, which ends tomorrow, 11.59 p.m. If you are in Trinidad, hope you're having fun. I know you're probably fast asleep anyway. <laughs> Too much partying. But yeah, anyone wanting to go to Trinidad Carnival in the future, number one, get hit the gym so you can build up your... um lungs you need to be able to keep up that cardio and know how to stay hydrated and just you know plan to get uh, be a part of team no sleep they say and wherever you fall out that's where you fall out um if you're not a people person don't go to carnival let me just say that if you don't like people dancing on you or too close to you don't go to carnival let me say that too um yeah carnival is where you lose your inhibitions you don't have to know the person you just wind up yourself have a good time keep it moving 
the keys. Make man up on the days. Bumper, come out to tease. I'll do this for me, please. Yeah. Yeah. Bubble and wine, she bubble and wine. Bubble and wine, I say she bubble and wine. She slide, ten, fifteen, play bubble. Shall every girl just take it? Tell me, say bubble and wine, I say she bubble and wine. Coming up later on tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, go ahead and set your alarms. Days After Dark, real relationship talk, live on QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. You want to be a part of the conversation? Join us on Clubhouse. Right, and it's time for us to go ahead and get back to business. It is 27 minutes after the top of the hour. According to CNN, four people were shot near Indianapolis gas station, police say. Four people were injured in a shooting Sunday morning near an Indianapolis gas station. The authorities initially reported five people had been injured in the shooting near East 42nd Street and North Franklin Road. But the department revised that number down to four in a news release on Sunday, citing further investigation. Three victims were found inside a vehicle, while the fourth was found inside a business a short distance away. Among the victims are two women and two men. One male is in serious but stable condition, and the other three victims are in a stable condition, police have said. The investigation into the shooting is ongoing. Shock and sadness in L.A. Catholic community, Los Angeles Catholic community, after a bishop is found shot to death in his home. This is according to CNN. Los Angeles homicide detectives are investigating the shooting death of a Catholic bishop in his home as parishioners mourn the man described as a peacemaker with a heart for the poor and the immigrant. Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connell rather was found dead in his home in the Hacienda Heights neighborhood on Saturday. Uh, deputies found O'Connell after responding to an emergency call shortly after 1 p.m. It is a shock and I have no words to express my sadness, said Archbishop of Los Angeles, Jose H. Gomez, in a statement announcing O'Connell's death. As a priest and later a bishop here in Los Angeles for 45 years, Bishop Dave was a man of deep prayer who had a great love for our Blessed Mother. He was a peacemaker with a heart for the poor and the immigrant, and he had a passion for building a community where the sanctity and dignity of every human life was honored and protected. As police investigate the deadly shooting, the Los Angeles Catholic community is reflecting on his impact. New Orleans, according to CNN, a suspect has been arrested after shooting along Mardi Gras parade route, leaves one person dead and four others injured. That's according to New Orleans police. We were able to find two weapons on scene and also apprehended what we believed to be a shooter. Whether he's the sole shooter or not, we will determine that through investigation. The shooting injured a young girl, a woman, and three men, including one who was later pronounced dead. This is according to the New Orleans Police Department. The other four victims are in stable condition. The gunfire erupted around 9.30 p.m. along the route of the popular crew of Bacchus Parade. 
traditionally held ahead of the Mardi Gras celebration, which happens this Tuesday. Sorry, And this, of course, is interrupting a quintessential New Orleans festivity and underscoring the continued prevalence of gun violence in all venues of American life. The parade was scheduled to begin shortly after 5 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. After hearing gunshots, police officers responded to the scene, along with members of the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Department, Louisiana State Police, and Department of Corrections. It was unclear what led up to the shooting. The U.S. has suffered. Uh, how many days are we in? No, what, 31 days in January. And we're at day 20 in February, so that gives us 51 days into the year so far. The U.S. has suffered 80 mass shootings so far. 80. Almost two a day, one point something a day. But we don't have a problem, folks. It's normal. We don't have a problem. You know, it's the norm. How an election fraud um <laughs> this is has anyone been following this one the fox news debacle and the whole election fraud claim thing i don't know i haven't been i'll be honest the wackadoodle foundation of fox news is election fraud claims a woman who says the wind talks to her i'm sorry <laughs> One thing about this country, you can say anything, do anything, and be anything. So, a woman who says the wind talks to her and puts forth claims of election fraud in the 2020 presidential race <laughs> that she admitted were pretty wackadoodle turns out to be a key source of allegations that Fox News presented night after night to millions of viewers late that fall. Joe Biden's victory caused Fox News personalities to all melt down on the air. Off the air, a sense of crisis pervaded the private conversations of the network's executives and stars. Viewers who supported then-President Donald Trump abandoned Fox in droves after its election night team became the first in the nation to project that Biden would win the pivotal state of Arizona. Desperate to win back the Trump supporters, Fox News and the Fox Business Network turned at least a dozen times to a pro-Trump attorney named Sidney Powell, who, when pressed for, for evidence, forwarded a memo entitled Election Fraud Info to, fex, to Fox anchor Maria Bartiromo. Bartiromo hosted Powell on her Fox News show, the day after receiving it. The author of the memo in which Powell and Barry Taromo um, put so much stock offered detailed and utterly false claims of how Dominion voting systems helped rig the election for Biden. She also shared a bit about herself, writing that she gains insights from experiencing something like time travel in a semi-conscious state. Has anyone else here ever time traveled? Just asking. I want to know how to do it. Because I'm willing to time travel into the future to see what's up there. No, and I'm being very serious here. 
But isn't Fox Network an ally of Trump? Used to be. What happened to that precious relationship? Was there cheating? Did Trump cheat on Fox or did Fox cheat on Trump? Huh. Interesting. I never thought that that relationship could have been severed, Javette. I thought it was till death do we part. Moments. <laughs> yes, Jay. <laughs> your, 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 your president, your president stepped in and, and, and had an affair. So no, no, they switch over to him. Your, your Florida president, they're now courting him. So, yeah. Oh. Fox is now, you know, finding uh, the, the the hot chick on the block, <laughs> which is your president. <laughs> same church aren't they from the same camp should it matter oh okay i thought they all came out the same compound or is that one is getting too much attention it's like first wife second wife third wife but so the second wife is getting more the new wife is getting more attention and the first wife is not liking it or the side chick is getting more attention and the first wife the main chick ain't liking it <laughs> Biden says the U.S. will continue to back the Ukraine as long as it takes. But some take aim at the price tag. Story courtesy of NPR.org. When the, when the president, our president, President Biden, made a secret trip on Monday to Ukraine, marking the anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, he declared that the United States is going to back Ukraine as long as it takes. I thought it was critical that there not be any doubt, none whatsoever, about U.S. support for Ukraine in the war, Biden said, standing beside Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Biden announced a half a billion dollars in additional assistance to Ukraine, including the delivery of artillery ammunition, anti-armor systems and air surveillance radars to help protect the Ukrainian people from aerial bombardments but after congress appropriated more than 112 billion dollars in military and economic support hold on am i reading that figure right that can't be right that figure can't be right tell me somebody tell me that i'm reading this wrong but after congress appropriated more than 112 billion dollars one one two billion in military and economic support in the space of a single year and with no signs of an end to the conflict polls show a growing number of americans feel the united states has given ukraine too much the sentiment has fueled calls for more scrutiny of how u.s assistance is being used in a country known for its struggles with corruption <laughs> hold on a second i've got to try to finish reading this i gotta try let me, let me see if i can finish reading this article without falling over with laughter my great fear is that there's going to be some scandal said mark kansian an expert in military procurement who has worked both at the office of management and budget and the pentagon 
either weapons show up in the Middle East, someplace where they're not supposed to be, or some oligarch is discovered to have siphoned funds off and is sailing around the Mediterranean in his yacht, paid for by American taxpayers. So far, there have not been signs that the U.S. aid to Ukraine has ended up in the wrong hands, but the war is far from over. And we're going to backtrack that statement. I don't agree with that because was it last week or the week before we highlighted where there was some issues going on with some political um, figures in Ukraine who were used getting their hands on things they had no business getting their hands on. But anyway, let me not digress. Ukraine is asking for more support to continue fighting Russia and the long and expensive work of rebuilding after the conflict has yet to begin. When you spend that much money that fast, there's bound to be problems. There's bound to be a leakage. And that's according to John Sopko, who is Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. Sopko, who has reported on failure after failure with aid for Afghanistan, warns that a country can only absorb so much aid before things begin to spill over into the illicit economy. You take a sponge, you put it on your, your kitchen counter, and you fill it with water. Drip, drip, drip. It holds the water. Then all of a sudden, it reaches a certain point, and then all that water starts spreading out from that sponge. The tipping point tends to be between 15% to 45% of a nation's GDP. Ukraine's GDP before the war was $200 billion. The risks of problems have sparked concern on Capitol Hill. Republican Democratic supporters of Ukraine are worried about maintaining public support for U.S. aid. At the start of the conflict, some 60% of Americans backed sending weapons to Ukraine, and that's according to a polling from the Associated Press. Now that has slipped to 48%. Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has supported Ukraine, but more recently has warned that there can't be a blank check for Ukraine aid. And, you know, when we have so much debt of our own right here in the U.S., you think China ain't watching? China laughing. The most recent congressional funding package built in more funding for oversight of the aid Republican leaders have asked for more regular updates on checks and balances in the spending. <laughs> I just want to know what's the deal between the U.S. And, and, and Ukraine at this point. What's going on? What's the real story? $112 billion so far in all forms of aid. Now, it may be unreasonable of me or I may be speaking out of um, line. But as far as I'm concerned, I believe every politician is benefiting from this war. It's not a Biden thing because the Republicans were supporting it too or are supporting it too because there is a, there is a financial gain. Stocks and bonds and ROIs, they're, they're making money off of the war. We're the ones losing. And when the war is over, they stand to make even more because they're going to be involved in the rebuilding. 
And then some might say, well, moments, if you have a problem with it, um, why, why not invest? No, we're not investing in that. I'd rather, I would rather where I am than know that I'm eating off of the blood of others, the bloodshed of others, knowingly. Because, you know, a lot of times we are indulging in things that if we truly knew, knew the history, we would probably go, oh my gosh. But knowing the truth about something that's paraded, and the truth is paraded in the media, knowing the truth, can we, with a clear conscience, partake? Honestly. Can we truly partake if we say we have a conscience and we want to continue to have a clear conscience? If we're ignorant to the whole situation, that's different. But once we are enlightened, where do we stand? Hey, moments. Question. Um, if, if the U.S. is borrowing money from China, is it that they're using China money to fund the war? Or where are they getting this money from? <laughs> Those of us who live in the U.S. and pay taxes, that's where the money is coming from. When do we ask, or who can we appeal to to say, no, we don't want our tax dollars being misspent anymore? When do we turn off the tap? Zelensky came to the U.S., made his speech in Congress, and that happened back in December, right? We talk about corruption, but aren't we feeding corruption to some degree? Because nobody can tell me, say, you can laugh after the U.S. right now. They have us by our balls, literally. Which now leads me to ask the question, is there some secret that we need to be made aware of? Or we're just truly being humanitarian? I need answers. As a taxpayer, I would love to have answers. We have people here who work in the healthcare industry, environmental techs, who are not barely making anything. We have government workers here who are struggling, but show up every day. May not get the best customer service, but they still show up. We're bursting at the seams. And yes, James, we, we have, we're debt riddled. We are debt riddled. But we don't seem to care about settling our debts, which I find a little hypocritical that the country is in debt, but yet we have debt collection agencies calling people. What do you call people for? Isn't this how we function in debt? Where are you calling? Don't call nobody. 
because the U.S. government ain't doing what they need to do. The country was built to operate in debt, so why not have everybody live in debt then? <laughs> I know I probably sound ridiculous as heck right now, and I'm okay with that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but folks, get ready because it's far from over if you ask me. It is far from over. I see this, it's what, one year now? We, I, I want to say another four years probably. So buckle up, folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. That's all I can tell you. It's going to be a bumpy ride. business and tech news first up meta to roll out paid subscription on facebook and instagram i thought subscription was already there for instagram i must be missing something as far as i know you can have or or is it you know what let me read the article because i know that some people on um Instagram have their IG account set up where if you want to see certain content, you have to become a subscriber of theirs. So anyway, let me get into it. Story courtesy of AlJazeera.com. Meta is testing a new subscription service, Meta Verified, that would let Facebook and Instagram users pay to have a verified account. Oh, okay. I got it. See why reading is fundamental? No assumptions. <laughs> Makes an ass of me. Testing will begin in New Zealand and Australia this week and will roll out to other countries soon. That's according to Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg. For $11.99 per month on the web or $14.99 per month on Apple and Android operating systems, Meta will use a government identification to verify a user's account and give it a blue badge. Previously, Meta's blue badges were free and reserved for notable public figures or businesses. This new feature is about increasing authenticity and security across our services. Well, that's according to Zuckerberg. After Australia and New Zealand, Meta Verified will be rolled out in the United States and other countries. Subscribers will get a badge indicating their account has been verified with a government ID extra protection against impersonation, direct access to customer support, and more visibility. It added that the service would be primarily aimed at content creators looking to expand their presence on the platforms and could see adjustments after a test phase. There would be no changes to accounts on Facebook and Instagram that are already verified, the company said adding that only users who are above 18 years of age will be allowed to subscribe. The service is not yet available to businesses. 
It was not immediately clear how Zuckerberg planned to price Meta verified in countries where users cannot afford to pay $12 a month or in cash-based economies where they may have fewer ways to get the money to Meta. Last year, if we remember Elon Musk's initial attempts to launch a similar service at Twitter backfired with an embarrassing spate of fake accounts that scared advertisers and cast doubt on the site's future. He was forced to briefly suspend the effort before relaunching it to a muted reception in December. Um, I understand the need for security. Was it, but is it really that serious that I'm going to pay for a blue tick? Really? I really don't care that much. I don't know. I see people celebrating and feel, oh my gosh, I'm somebody. I have a blue tick. You need a blue tick to feel like somebody? I don't know. Go ahead, Dre. You say yes. What are you say yes to, Dre? Um, not not just for regular people, but um, businesses will do it um, because with the 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 the, the tick, it it shows trust. So once that, not just regular people, tick. Now you. Why are you in the matrix, Dre? Come out the matrix. Get out the matrix, Dre. Get out the matrix. You can hear me now. All right, go ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah, I I see more uh it beneficial for business because the tick it it, it shows trust, so it will make you more receptive in doing business um with with um someone that has a tick versus someone that don't have a tick. That's that's why not uh, for the regular people I for businesses I do. Where if you're you an okay. eBay person, if you're an eBay person, you know, yeah. Uh, um, okay, you're really bad, really bad, Dre. You're in a really bad spot. Um, you're breaking up really bad. But I see. I think I understand what Dre is saying, um, or what he's alluding to at least, when it comes to businesses, and verifying having their authenticity verified makes a difference when it comes to the trust factor. You want to know that you're not being scammed out of money. But businesses can still scam you, can't they? Am I wrong or am I right? Businesses can still scam you. Well, I think. Are, they, are businesses going to have to take an additional step to ensure that they're protecting their clients? Um, is Meta going to put some additional measures in place for businesses and hold them accountable should they breach their client's trust? I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know if the, the blue check mark and then charging me. Okay, if you want to authenticate, you're already getting billions, millions of dollars, probably billions from advertising, right? Where people are able to advertise on your site. You're already getting that. Why charge the subscriber too? 
I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I see what Dre is saying, but I still have mixed feelings about it. Dre, are you able to talk? I hope you're in a better space. I'm not, I'm in the same space. Um, I don't know. You, you sound better. Yeah, yeah. I I I mean, for businesses, I see the benefit, but for like just regular folks, I don't see the benefit. Um, the the check mark, especially like everything is going to be online. So, uh. Everything is online. How you how you verify uh, authenticity, um, how you build um, brand trust and stuff like that. All all those things is important when operating in an online space. So if 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 you was an eBay person back then, you go and you read all the comments and see how many stars and all that stuff before you purchase anything from anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that same, you know, because what the the the, the platforms they are doing, they're they're going, they they realize that a lot of people is using the the platform to conduct business. So they have to come with something where people are, you know, where 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 you as a person when you're doing your shopping, you feel safe to conduct business on Instagram and and Facebook and etc. And if you if you if if your business can't pay twelve dollars for a tick, why should I buy anything from you? Well, I'm that, that, having to pay for other things, Dre. No, I understand, but I'm saying I see the benefit for business, but for just regular folks wanted that tick, I don't see the benefit for them. But That's for scary. business, I see the benefit, and I see how it safeguards us also as consumers. That's that's all I'm saying. Okay, let's see your point. All right. Thank yeah, you, Drake. They can afford twelve dollars a month, especially here in the United States. They can afford twelve dollars a month to scam people. So <laughs> it's it's still not that's true too. That's true. <laughs> I think I was gonna say the same thing. What makes them legitimate is because they can afford twelve dollars. Okay. Yeah. A scammer? will find the $12 quicker than a legitimate business person, in my opinion. Because they're looking at it as their business. They're in the business of scamming. And they have to make sure they can keep... They, they, they have to make sure that they can keep scam, scamming people. So they're going to pay the $12. It's going to be a no-brainer for them. So I, don't, I really don't see how it is going to make me feel at ease. I see what they're trying to do, but I think they may want to rethink this and come up with something else. The scammers going to be scamming just the same as I said. You know, scammers going to be scamming. All right, so... My star buckies, if that's what you're called. <laughs> Not sure. Don't don't tell me you're talking about the rewards. Because what rewards? I just, I, before you go, I'm pissed. I just called somebody. I just curse and vent because I normally pay. I normally use 50 points to get my coffee. And I, I went this morning. Luckily, I checked my points because I was just going to say, just use my rewards. Now I'm paying 100 points for my coffee. And they don't have the 50 points anymore. So they have 20, 20 points for like, if you're doing like espresso shot or whatever, they skip the 50 points. And now it's 100 points to get just my regular black coffee. I was pissed. Anyway, go ahead. 
I had to do it. <laughs> you got it out, Dre. You got it out. You feel better now? Hush. Yes. Okay, good. Just in case Dre and anybody else is feeling the same way, I want you to get it out. Don't want y'all walking around here pissed. All right, well, here's, it's not that, Dre. It's this. More than 300,000 bottles of Starbucks bottled Frappuccinos have been recalled. Story courtesy of NPR.org. So um, if you have any bottled ones that you may have purchased, either at Target, on Amazon, at Walmart, or Safeway, um, you may want to double-check those because more than 25,000 cases of chilled bottled Starbucks vanilla Frappuccinos have been recalled. Why? due to possibly having pieces of glass in them. That's according to the Food and Drug Administration. Each of the 25,200 cases contains 12 bottles, bringing the total number of bottles recalled to 302,400, according to a notice published in late January. So why is this just coming on the news? The product is not sold in Starbucks stores, but at several merchants nationwide, including Target, Amazon, Walmart, and Safeway. Affected bottles have the following expiration dates. Please check, check, check. March 8, 2023. May 29, 2023. June 4, 2023. Let me say those dates again. March 8, March 29, June 4, June 10 of 2023. Those are the expiration dates you need to check. And these are for the um, Starbucks Frappuccinos in the glass bottles that you may have purchased at either Target, Walmart, Safeway, or on Amazon. Starbucks and PepsiCo, which partners with Starbucks to distribute their ready-made bottled and canned products, were not immediately available for comment. So we're talking about broken glass, folks. Please be super careful with that, okay? In 2022, black farmers were persistently left behind from the USDA's loan system. This story is courtesy of NPR.org. Lucius Abrams is the third generation to take over the family Georgia farm, an operation that has long grown cotton, corn, and soybeans. When he did not receive a loan in time to buy the seeds and supplies he needed, he joined the Pigford versus Glickman class action lawsuit against the USDA. In 1999, the lawsuit um, alleged that in a myriad of ways, the agency discriminated against black farmers, resulting in uneven distribution of farm loans and assistance. This caused many black farmers to lose their land and farms to foreclosure. Pigford plaintiffs, like Abrams, were supposed to receive payments after the case was settled in 1999. However, tens of thousands missed out due to confusing paperwork and filing deadlines and what neared attorney malpractice advocates say. In 2010, Congress ap appropriated an additional $1.2 billion in a second round of payouts, but still many did not receive them due to more denials of claims and deadline and processing issues. 
But in addition, many say there has to be a larger culture shift at the department because farmers do not trust their loan applications will be processed fairly, if they can even file. Indeed, an NPR analysis of USDA data found that black farmers receive a disproportionately low share of direct loans given to farmers, leaving them behind in a program that is important to their livelihoods. The department itself has long tried to fix these systemic problems, but many farmers and advocates remain skeptical that its efforts will ultimately benefit those who need it most. The USDA's lending process for the last century is not set up to support non-traditional growers, including the farmers of color, who face high rejection and withdrawal rates as a result. So it might be you're a black farmer that's operating on airship property, meaning you have inherited this property, who hasn't had the benefit of a cooperator technical assistance provider right there on the ground with them to help navigate this. By virtue of the lack of support structure around them, they're going to come to the application process less prepared. So I think there's an easy fix to this. If there is one farmer who has been successful and they're successful because they know the ins and outs or successful because they know someone who knows the ins and outs, can we share that wealth of information, please? I can't because clearly there are some who are successful. So those who have been successful just share the information with those who have been unsuccessful. That's the easy fix. That's it. That's it right there. Don't be selfish. Share the information. And I'm saying that um, also to say this. Recently, there had, I had a conversation. And unfortunately, there are many things that a few within the black community have knowledge of, but they don't want to share it. And we've spoken about that here. But it seems to be an ongoing thing. Why are we holding on to information? What, what are we afraid of? There are 8 billion people in the world. More than enough to go around. So what is it that you are afraid of losing? What is it? Market share? What's the problem? The more you give, the more you get. Are we that selfish? I have figured out how to accomplish something that others want to accomplish. So I figured it out. If someone comes to me, why am I going to be selfish with the information? No. Share the information. Truth be told, you didn't figure it out on your own. Let me tell you that. You didn't. A vision was given to you. A seed was planted in you. Something was placed in you. There are some of us who will learn from another group of people and we hold on to it. That group 
was kind enough to share how they were able to accomplish certain things and passed it on to us because we are friends or, you know, we sought the information out. And they weren't selfish. So why are we being selfish, folks? What's the reasoning behind it? What's the reason? Do we have a just reason for our selfishness? No, we don't. We need to let it go. Oh, by the way, I watched the movie Warrior. Oh my gosh, what's the name of it again? I watched it on Netflix over the weekend here. Watched it on Friday night. Um, with Viola Davis, Warrior Queen, that's the name of it? Is that? Y'all sending me over to Netflix to look up the, um, the right. Woman King. Woman King. King. That, thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. I watched it over the weekend. But y'all ain't ready for what I have to say. Nobody. I'm ready. Nobody's ready for what I have to say. <laughs> I heard a lot of t opinions. I think I'm ready. What do you want me to do? Uh, so, um. <laughs> I've tried to have this conversation before. We, we are, you know. Why is it that we don't talk? What is the reason why we don't talk about how blacks so sold blacks into slavery? Why don't we talk about that? It's discussed constantly. Where? You have to, I think, I'm going to tell you this, and I mean no offense. No, 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 that's fine. Don't just stay in this room. Because if you're in this justice room, you're not seeing what else, all the other conversations are happening. Because there's so many conversations, people talk about it. And yes, that did happen. There were there were consequences of of um of there were consequences of people who were captured during the war and they were sold and then there are people who then got involved with the colonizers and sold people to them as well. It happened a lot and there's a there's a lot of discussion about it, really. Okay. Thank you, Sonette. So there is a lot of discussion, for example, on Clubhouse, right? But why don't we hear about it across media? No, we don't want to talk about it across media. Yeah, we don't want that because now we're normalizing or 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 let the other half um, point back fingers at us. Uh -uh. Mm -hmm. okay. we, have, we, have, we have enough. We're, we're, we're having enough difficult time right now as free people. You know, we just need to know that it happened, okay, and 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 try not to make it um, something like that um, repeat again. But I'm not into giving ammunition to the other half to excuse what they have done. Okay. And okay. those others, yeah, you gotta understand the whole tribal thing in Africa. You know, um, and and human beings, we're just we're 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 very tribal. So those those slaves were. The, the other Africans didn't see them as their people. They were all black people, but it was just tribal war, prisoners of war. They warring against another tribe. Some live some live on the coastline, know about the the slave trade. Some live inland, don't know about the slave trade. They capture the enemies and just sell the enemies, you know? Um, I watched the movie. The sad part is when um, the dude mother got sold. That was a story, boy. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, they're selling their enemies, so... 
I don't see why we should really just talk about it because we talk about it is like excuse the other side just gonna have excuse like oh well y'all did it to, to yourself and mm-hmm. why are you blaming us and blah 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 those slaves were enemies of the ones that sell them into captivity okay bottom okay. line done that, so, that's how i look at it. so let me ask you a question dre do you think that mindset is the reason why we don't protest about killing each other today Um, yeah, we don't need to protest either about killing each other. We need to fix, we need to fix the problem. But again, we face enough racism. We face enough hate. We face, we, like so, some things to me need to be dealt with internally. So if we are brothers and sisters or family or whatever, and we have a problem, we deal with it at home. But are we dealing with it, Dre? We are not. And that's why we need to come together and deal with it at home. But we don't need to put anything out there and give, I'm going to say the word, enemies, ammunition to judge us and demonize us and treat us any worse and point back fingers at us because they do it. Right. They, so- they do it. You hear, oh, so why you don't talk about black and black crime? So, no, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about I can't drive down the street without having my heart in my damn mouth if I see a damn blue light. Right. I have to think about dying if I see a blue light. I have to adjust myself and figure out beforehand how am I going to handle this situation, right? So these things that we're doing internally, we need to fix it, yes, but we need to do it internally. I don't want no more fingers pointing over. We'll have, we'll have a hard enough time. In All this right. country and in the world. That's the way I look at it. Okay, fair enough, Dre. Fair enough. So we don't want a public um publication. We don't want a publicization, I should say. I hope I said it right. So when are we going to fix it internally? When? Because it seems to me as though we don't we're not fixing it. We don't care to fix it. We continue to embrace it. When are we gonna fix it? Sir, moments, you know what just came to my mind? Mm-hmm. Um, your president, I wonder if there are books out there that highlight that, if that would be allowed. That would be one of the books that he would say, okay, we can leave this one. This is, you know, black history, so leave that one. You know, that, that, that's one of the things that just came to my mind. If he would be comfortable with, with that part of black history, and, you know, as opposed to the ones that he's saying that you don't need... Um, young white kids to feel guilty about what their foreparents did. That just came to my mind. Huh. Okay. And I agree with you, Dre, that we don't need other fingers being pointed at us. We don't need outsiders saying, well, see, and using it as justification for the reason to treat us the way they do. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But what is it going to take for us to fix? Because they're already looking at how we treat each other. Don't think they're not looking. They're already looking. They are already looking at how we treat each other. When we have to go to other races or other groups to start our businesses, they're wondering why we're not helping each other out. 
gathering. They're already looking at us. So what are we going to do to fix ourselves? That's what I want to know. We're worried about how others treat us, but we're not worried about how we treat each other and work hard to change the way we treat each other. Or are we going to continue to accept the way we treat each other as the norm? Because that is how it feels to me. It's okay when I do it, but it's a problem if somebody else does it. I don't think that's I don't think we're doing right by each other, by treating each other the way we do. I honestly don't. If I'm being unreasonable, please let me know. Am I being unreasonable to ask that we respect each other and love each other and be a community in unison? Is that too much to ask? I don't care about the outside world now. I'm talking about what's going on in our community. I don't think it's unreasonable. I just think that, I mean, and people within families have such a hard time getting along. Mothers, fathers, children, cousins, wives, right? Yeah. So it's not unreasonable to hope and to wish and to desire for us all as one black community to get along. But then we start, it, it's, it's natural, unfortunately, for people to divide themselves among different groups. The West Indians versus the Americans, the Americans versus the native or indigenous peoples. It, it's unfortunate. But that is just what happens. We can, and in the same in the same vein, there are groups that are multinational, multilingual that get along fine amongst each other and don't have the problem. But unfortunately, tribalism and or nationality comes in and it disrupts often. So that's that's my take on it. Thank you, Senator, and that's a great starting point. That's a great starting point for us to stop worrying about which country each person is from, which nationality we are. Oh, she's from Antigua and Barbuda. Oh, can't stand her. Why you can't stand her? Well, she's not Jamaican. Okay, so why can't you stand her? She's from Antigua and Barbuda. You still haven't given me a reason why you don't like her oh i don't like him he's from trinidad and tobago and what's the reason he's from trinidad and tobago okay so what's the reason i still can't get a reason so you see how stupid we look doing that sorry i think it's foolish i don't like you because you're not from the country i am from but we're just, we're all fighting the same battle, right? We're all here in the U.S. fighting the same battle. But while we're here fighting the battle, I'm not going to like you because you're from another country. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I probably will never get it. I don't know. I probably will never understand it. I'm in my bubble. I don't know. I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. 
I don't like you because you're African-American. I don't like you because you're Cuban. I don't like you because you're Puerto Rican. And a lot, and sometimes, you know, sometimes not liking a person is based on an experience. And then we somehow tie that experience to where the person is from. And then we create, we, we just spread a blanket and we feel that everybody from, let's say, St. Kitts, we just feel that like everybody from St. Kitts is the same way as that one person. When that same person from St. Kitts is no different from the people in Jamaica who display the same damn behavior. So I, I just don't get it. It makes no sense to me. I don't know. One day, one day I'll, we live in the perfect world. One day. Not sure what that will ever be. And then we have this thing where I don't like you because my grandmother never liked you. Why the grandmother never liked you? Because for her grandmother never liked you. <laughs> Wait, that makes sense. I don't know. I, I probably see the world through a whole different lens, which may be right or wrong. I see the world with the hope that one day we can set aside our differences as a community. And I'm starting with our community first. There is so much division within our community. And yes, it goes back to tribalism. What do we stand to gain from tribalism? What has history taught us about tribalism, really? We say history is important, isn't it? Because if we don't know our past, we can't know where we're going. So what have we learned from tribalism? And why are we holding on to the concepts of it? Why? How do we plan to move forward? With tribalism in place still? Amongst our people? And then we only call on each other when there is a need that will be beneficial to us. And as soon as we acquire what it is that we need, we go back to the tribalism mindset again. Might that make sense? I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I, don't. I think it's just, it's just part of us. As much as we, 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 we talk and, you know, we know the, the danger of it, I just think it's part of us. I think it's a, a part of we protecting each other, you know, because as, as we know, as human beings, we're good and we're bad. And you might just have some set of people that inflict negative and, and harm on a next group and you just tribalize and protect yourself. And then you go from there and it just keep on going and... It just keep repeating and, you know, so I just think it's just part of our nature to tribalize, gather with each other, protect each other and do harm to each other. It's just, it's not, it's not going anywhere. It's just part of us. So we just accept it and move on. One of those things, right? It, 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 it's as simple that 
all of us gather in this room every morning and somebody from the outside might come and do something or just say something, just watch everybody just gang up on them. Just, <laughs> just, it, it's just, it, it can I'm be, laughing because you're true. You're right. You're right. And it just lead from wanting to the, they go over to their room and then they bring their whole, and it just, you know, it's just, it's just human. It's, it's a part of us. That's it. So we just accept simple. who we are. Just <laughs> exactly. have to accept our nature. What comes naturally. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I understand. I get it. Our next story, Justice Department investigating Abbott baby formula plant. Weren't they in the news a couple months ago? Story courtesy of the Associated mm -hmm. Press. Yes, well, the U.S. The formula shortage. Is it the formula shortage? Yes. Well, okay, this one sorry. is not the shortage now, but hold on. Let's get into this one. The U.S. Justice Department is, in, is investigating the Abbott Labs uh, infant formula plant in Michigan. That was shut down for months last year due to contamination, the company confirmed. The factory's closure in February 2022 was a key cause of a nationwide baby formula shortage that forced parents to seek formula from food banks, friends, and doctors' offices. Production restarted in June. The Justice Department has informed Abbott of its investigation and the company is cooperating fully. That's according to Abbott spokesperson Scott Stoffel via an email, but he declined to provide further details. The investigation was first reported by the Wall Street Journal, which said the Justice Department's Consumer Protection Branch is looking into conduct at the Sturgis, Michigan plant that led to its shutdown. Abbott closed the factory after the Food and Drug Administration began investigating four bacterial infections among infants who consumed powdered formula from the plant. Inspectors uncovered several violations at the plant, including bacterial contamination, a leaky roof, and lax safety protocols. But Abbott has stated that its products have not been directly linked to the infections, which involved different bacterial strains. Abbott is one of just four companies that produce 90% of U.S. formula, and its February recall of several leading brands, including Similac, squeezed supplies that, ha that had already been strained by supply chain disruptions and stockpiling during COVID-19 shutdowns. The shortage was especially acute for children with allergies, digestive problems, and metabolic disorders who rely on specialty formulas. The Abbott factory is the only source of many of those products. The FDA has faced intense criticism for taking months to close the plant and then negotiate its reopening. Hmm. So, Sonette, the question is what? Sounds like there's more to it. What really led to the shutdown? Was it just the... um? I'm sorry, I was just reading a comment in the chat. <laughs> Crystal, that's something I've spoken about. Not necessarily, I've, I've mentioned it once or twice on this platform, but it's something I don't talk about much on here. Yeah, I have it more off the platform. But um, yeah, 
leads me to question what's really going on at the Abbott facility and why was there a sh shortage? Was it really because of the bacterial infection or is there more to it? We'll wait and see. Uh, Meta is launching. Oh, didn't we talk about that already? That Meta is, yeah, why are we talking about it again? Y'all are tired of y'all. Twitter to charge for SMS two-factor. I'm tired of these two. To charge for two-factor authentication. So now they're going to charge you to secure. Is that what two-factor authentication? Isn't that the protection of your information where you have to go through two phases to be able to do whatever it is that you need to do? So 2FA requires users to type in their password and then you enter a code or a security key to access your account. And that's a security feature. So Twitter is going to be charging people for that? Elon, you see, you're the reason Meta is going to be doing this foolishness that they're doing. Why are you charging people to be protected? It is obvious that you're scrambling for money. To re you're trying to recoup this money and you're going at it any which way you can. Also, it's only going to be limited to Twitter Blue subscribers. You have to pay to be a Twitter Blue subscriber, right? If memory serves me well. I'm tired of these. I'm just tired of them. I'm tired. All my, it's already in effect. Yeah, the goal is to charge you for everything, uh, Sean Crystal. <laughs> Multi-factor authentication. I never heard of MFA. And again, yes, so that so that is gonna chastise me now for not being in more no. spaces. <laughs> oh, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm only not, joking. I'm only joking. Because it's on your. I'm sure it's on your Instagram right now. When you go on Instagram lately, or maybe in the last month or two months, you had to have a second way to get in. They had to, um, they asked you to confirm it either through a text or through an email. For me, it sometimes go to YouTube for Facebook. So I have to prove something. Multi-factor is the same as two-factor, but multiple because sometimes it's not always one or two. It could be three. You should have that on your bank accounts as well. You shouldn't be able to just sign into your bank account immediately. You should right. be able to verify who you are. So I I, I approve multi-factor authentication. It's annoying. I'm not going to lie about it. But when you're in a rush, but it's, it's necessary to keep, keep us safe and our identities. Oh, yes. I agree with it. I don't agree with you charging me, though. Oh, yeah, that, that part. I agree 100%. Why am I paying for that? I'm already using the service. If I decide to pay for it, that's my call. But I don't need, think I need to pay for, especially social media. No, thanks. Yeah. It's too much. I mean, but it's, as I said, greed. Greed is a heck of a thing. So um, let me check the chat real quick. It's already in effect, said Julie. Um, Sonette spoke about multi-factor authentication, which is something we should all strive to have, especially when it comes to our bank accounts. Stick up in right there, bank accounts. Don't know how true this is, but did anyone else hear the rumor? I'm going to call it a rumor that banks are going, going to be or 
they have already been given the approval to seize your funds if they want to? It's not a rumor. You, you have to, exactly. In fact, that's what I was trying to get out, but I was too slow. You have to give approval when you sign up for a bank account and you're signing off. It's you're you're saying that you're gonna abide by the rules that they've established for this this um system. And if you don't abide by those rules, like I.e. having five hundred dollars in this account or doing something negative, they can seize your bank account. They can also allow other people to take money from your bank account. You have to read what you read to find friends, people. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Everything has a catch 22 attached to it, right? Everything. And I understand wanting to um, crack down on what you call it. Money laundering. I get it. I totally get it. But my gosh. Looks as though we're going back to get us safe and Put your money in your safe. Bank's not going to like that either because then they don't have any money to make money off of. Saw a video the other day. Let me see. Did I save it? I want to believe I saved it. But you know me. In my mind, I saved it and then I didn't. I'm not being as vigilant as I thought I was. But I came across a video the other day that was talking about banks being broke. And as usual, I thought I hit the save button. I didn't. But yeah, that the banks are broke. Um, but we kind of know they didn't have any money to begin with. Oops, sorry. Let me turn that down. We kind of know they didn't have any money to begin with. It's your money that they used to make money. And that's why they put you through so much when you're trying to get your money. <laughs> they question you. They question you when you're putting it in, make you feel as though you're a criminal for putting it there. And make you feel even more of a criminal when you're trying to take it out. Go figure. I don't get it. Yes, Crystal, we don't really own any, own anything, and we're 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 learning that more and more each and every day. <laughs> All right, it's time for us to talk about the first lady of the black press in our Black History Month highlight moment let me pin this at the top of the page we don't own anything not a thing what not even the breath not even the air that we breathe i almost said it wrong not even the breath that we breathe yeah we don't own anything folks we're here for a time and everything is leased to us that's it everything is on lease and you, you gotta pay for everything you gotta pay to exist and if you don't that's it. Time's up. We gotta go. All right. So, um, oh, this one I have to play. My bad, folks. My bad. My bad. I forgot that I have to play. This one is a video. Uh, hey, baby. Baby, I got your money. Don't you worry. That's we're gonna have to be singing that song soon. I got you, buddy. Don't worry. Allow me to live another day. All right. Here it is. Let me hit the play button on this one. If you could put the president on the spot, what question would you ask? 
As the first lady of the black press, Ethel Payne made a career out of holding those in power accountable. Born in Chicago in 1911, Ethel penned her first article for her school newspaper. But it would be years before she began a career in journalism. Joining the Army Special Services in 1948, she traveled to Japan to provide entertainment to U.S. soldiers. And while there, Ethel wrote a journal documenting discrimination faced by African-American soldiers and children during the war. She shared her journal with a reporter for the Black-owned Chicago Defender, which published some of her work on the front page. In 1951, Ethel was offered a job at the Defender as a reporter. While most female journalists were assigned trivial jobs, like writing about food and fashion, Ethel wrote stories about the true struggles facing women and people of color in America. The following year, she relocated to Washington, D.C. to become only the second black woman to join the White House press corps. She used access to President Eisenhower to challenge him relentlessly on civil rights issues, asking if he would enforce the decision of Brown versus Board of Education why Black musicians were not allowed to perform at a political event, and whether the president would protect the safety of Black people traveling between states. When Eisenhower's dismissive responses made front-page news, he was angered and refused to answer Ethel's questions for the remainder of his term. But she persevered and continued reporting. In 1972, she became the first Black female commentator on a national network, CBS. For the remainder of her career, Ethel covered important U.S. and world news. Throughout her career, Ethel Payne asked the tough questions that held those in power accountable. If you could speak to the president, what question would you ask? And that is a little bit about Ethel Payne. She is our Black history um, icon for today. First lady of the Black press. All right. Um, we're going to head on over to sports news. This one is a, it's something that we have spoken here about. I want to say at least we have, in brief, touched on it. Um, the NFL, brain injuries, race, and denial. This piece is courtesy of aljazeera.com. The National Football League is the richest professional sports league in the world but it has been accused of leaving its black players behind. For years, the NFL fought claims from its own players that the sport could cause long-term brain damage, including a disease known as CTE. The league has since paid a settlement out to players, but it has also been accused of using race-based tests to deny black players compensation. As the sport continues to gain larger audiences worldwide through mega events like the Super Bowl, what is the NFL doing to protect and care for its players? What is it doing? Is it doing anything? Does it care to do anything? I know last week we spoke um, about was last week right or the week before we spoke about the players and how much money they make and the need for them to invest in themselves in other words take out their own insurance plans see to it that they're covered but instead of um spending their money frivolously buying these cars and living these luxurious lifestyles and then when trouble tech them 
they try to pin it on the NFL and that the NFL will never change. But I still stand on the belief that the NFL needs to do something to protect the players. And yes, others might argue or you might argue and say, well, nobody told you to sign up for it. True. Nobody told us to sign up for anything that it is that we're doing because everything comes with a risk factor involved. But recently, there are many NFL players, or probably many is an, is an extreme word to use, but recently we have seen quite a number of um, NFL players who no longer play who are dying at an early age. Not even reaching 60. We're seeing NFL players dying in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Are we still going to stand up and say the NFL shouldn't care? That they should not care for its players? The backs off of whom they make millions of dollars, billions if you ask me. Now I should be allowed to play something that I enjoy and I enjoy doing it and I'm allowed to make money from it. But don't treat me as a piece of dirty cloth. You use me and you discard me. Oh, I don't care about you anymore. And I get it that companies do it to us too. We work for them for 20, 30 years, and then that's it. Done. They don't care. We can't go back to them and say, hey, I'm suffering from a lot. You know, my eyes are, are suffering because I was sitting on the screen for those 30 years, and my vision is now affected. I get that. I do get it. Believe you me, I get that argument. But are we still going to sit here and say the NFL does not have any responsibility when it comes to the health of its players, whether they're current or past, understanding that the game involves the strong possibility that there could be long-term brain damage. CTE. Now, it only seems as though it's the black players who feel it the most in the, in, in the sense that they are the ones who are denied any type of compensation. So what do we tell our children who want to get into the NFL? No, don't do it. But that's what they're truly passionate about. No, don't do it. Why isn't there a body or a group turning to the NFL and saying we need equity, we need inclusion, we need fairness? Go right ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, one thing I, I, I noticed too with the NFL is that, you know, they somehow are able to suppress um, superstardom in, in terms of black, like black players. 
because you know like with with Michael Jordan Michael Jordan changed the NBA from like a team like a, a a team you know league to like being like superstar so you know after even though like there are dominant players before Michael Jordan like with the flair and with the 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 the, the the advertisement value and and the value that that put the NBA um, in terms of marketing, like Nike and all those type of stuff, Michael Jordan changed that. And you know, after Michael Jordan, you see Kobe, you see LeBron, you see all these individual like superstar that they're 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 superstar on the court and off the court. Um, if you realize like household name or or names that are bigger than life, you don't really have much. After O.J. Simpson, um, you know, now you you have um, with the, the you know the um, Super Bowl that we just had, like with you know black players that are leading in terms of um, the championship and stuff like that. But even then, you know, after outside of the the NFL circle, they're not like you know the type of names that like like how you'd find like a LeBron or Kobe Bryant or you know, and I think that's intentional because a lot of people will, will say, like, in the NBA, like, a lot of players have, like, used a superstardom to abuse their power. You know, you see what's happening with Ben Simmons. Now they're paying him $40 million and he can't even score two points, you know. So, yeah, it's it's a balancing act. But for, for a, a league that has so much money, when you look at um, European football and you see, like, all these guys that are making generational wealth and you see the nfl and you see like one percent of the players that were able to sign huge contracts but still it's not even guaranteed so like and and you see hockey like you see hockey making a, a an attempt to because they're dealing with the same thing with concussion and you see they're making an attempt to fix it and the difference is like in hockey like it's 99.9 percent .9 white players right so you wonder you know they can do a better job but you know, as was said last week, I think the black players owe it to each other to to even, you know, form an alliance. And when you have young players coming out of um, colleges and stuff like that, be mentored to them and, and say, look, you don't need to buy this, you know, $500,000 car right now. Insure yourself. You know, you're not getting guaranteed contracts. Make sure that you have stuff going off the court too. Make sure you have, you sign, you know, agreements with company like advertising deals and stuff like that because you know you're on the, the the field today tomorrow you might not be on it and i think if the the organization is not going to do anything the players within themselves you know they hold themselves that you know and i think that's the, that's the way to go for now until like the nfl decide to do something about it mm -hmm. and how can we get some group to hold them responsible to do something about that james that's what we need we need can the players come together and start to hold them responsible or demand that they be held responsible i don't know yeah there, there are cases you know as as you know i was talking about last week with, with marlon with the ocha sinker guy who said that he saved 85 percent of of his is his money that he signed for he said today he still have 85% of it because he refused 
to fly private. He refused. No, 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 no. But said, we're, no, James, hold on. Listen to the question. I, we're not talking about what he can do, what they can do individually. We're talking about the NFL, the body. How can we hold them responsible to see to it that the black players are compensated and not denied compensation? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be hard because, as I said, they tried to, like, unless there's, like, you know, like, you know, these, like, superstars bigger than life that, um, that you know, like, a team don't want to lose this player. And the agent will say, like, look, we're not signing back with you unless it's it's guaranteed, like, 100%, not 50%. But how many superstars larger than life players do you have in the league, you know? So it's the same thing with all the leagues. Like, if you are, like, a talent, like a one-in-a-generation talent, you are going to get your guarantee in the NBA. Like, if you're just a regular player, you might, you, you might not get that. So, as I said, I think, you know, the players, the older players owe it to kind of mentor the younger players first and to kind of, they have to help themselves before the NFL help them because NFL is not going to just, the, these, you know, rich owners are not going to just come and help them like that. They have to help themselves first and then after helping themselves, hopefully in the future, they, they'll find a way for, the NFL to step up and, and to make sure they're protected. And and some of the players, it's, it's not even just the NFL because, you know, you see like even some of the guys on TV, black guys themselves too, talking about the game is getting too soft. Whenever you do anything to try and protect the player, they're like, oh my gosh, like these players are like babies. Like back in the 60s, you know, used to get like hit and get it back and brush it off. And you know, so some of these guys are part of it too, not just the the owners, you know? So, yeah. <sighs> Thank you, James. Yeah. Okay. I guess the owners ultimately comes back on the player. That's what it sounds like to me. And, and if we keep having the conversations where it sounds as though the onus falls on the player solely, guess what? The NFL is going to keep doing what they're doing, not care not care when you go to work let's say in a warehouse you you expect certain safety protocols to be in place right you expect that if you're injured on the job there's a thing called workman's comp right you go to the doctor doctor um takes a look at you approves you for whatever you are entitled to, right? They don't have that in the NFL. On the job protections. And if something happens to you, well, this kicks in while you're on the job. Mm, they do. They do. Okay. Thank you, Marlon. All sports thing has it. Uh, even high school. That's how we pay insurance, and they pay insurance in the NFL. Um, they have to pay a percentage to insurance or some retirement fund. So that they, they have coverage. Um, what, you know, is just, I agree, NFL need to do more. But I believe there's something in the contract they're signing, and they're not reading it. And that's why they don't get help, I think. And... A lot of us need to 
relax and read the fine print because most of your agents are not your agents. They're just there to get a paycheck too. Most mm. of them tell you, just sign it. My name is good, it's good. And you don't even read it. You just sign it. And you don't know what you're signing. So as James said, they need mentors, people who have been through it, who got scammed, who got hurt, so these young players can learn from the older people who's getting a, who who got scammed. Because a lot of these agents are not for you. Don't make goes for you. They just tell you to sign it because remember, a lot of these kids are less fortunate kids from from the from the hood. All they want is that paycheck. So once you give them a million dollars, two million dollar upfront pay, they're happy. And these agents are smiling behind the behind behind closed doors because they get twenty percent of their money or whatever the percentage is. You know, so I understand NFL can do a lot more, but at the end of the day, we need to wise up and get smart as well. And if we have sons who's going in the NFL or playing football, we have to guide them from early and say, listen, I understand this is what you want to do. This is this is a sport you choose, but it's a very dangerous sport. So we need to secure something when you do get that contract or whatever. So in case the NFL don't take care of you, you can take care of yourself. I mean, we can't do nothing about the players who got hurt in the past money from the NFL or whatever. So we have to do it now to help the kids now. Because these kids now need help. And I agree, the game is, you know, people say it's getting soft and, and, and the NFL is trying to protect players now. Yes, should have they done it earlier? Probably. But they, they're trying to do something now to protect the players. And that's why they have all these plays and all these, um, the refs, you know, you touch somebody, just you blow on somebody, they call a foul, a penalty. And you do have players who go out there to target other players, hmm. to take you out. That's their job. And if they stay, the players out there, is, they, they go to target you to take you out. Take you out permanently? Yes, to knock you, oh. and hit you so hard so you won't ever play again. They have players like that. Wow. So a lot of us need to be blamed for a lot of stuff what's going on in the NFL as well. Yeah. They can afford them, but... They, they could do more. I understand that, but we have to do for ourselves as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. Sorry, moments. One, yeah, one last thing. Real Sorry. quick. Real quick. Yeah. 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 One. One of the interesting conversation when it comes down to the NFL too is like it's hard for people to feel sorry for them because they always have the conversation about look at the the the, the soldiers who are choosing to go fight and come back without you know, government helping them and anything. So, like, a lot of times they have the conversation, they're like, they do it in such a way that the average person is not going to feel any empathy for someone who signed a $50 million contract, got hurt, and only was able to get $25 million out of the contract. The, the conversation is done in such a way where they're like, why am I feeling sorry for you when, yeah, you can't play again, but you have $25 million. Our, our soldiers go to war and they come back with nothing. And, you know, so... 
that's a part, interesting part too. Mm. Whenever the conversation is happening, yeah, they always make it difficult for people to feel sorry for them. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone. I gotta squeeze the, the next few stories in. Thanks a million. Um, Florida daycare in hot water after dressing preschoolers in blackface for Black History Month. A South Florida daycare is in hot water. The parents of the children, um, as young as two who attend Studio Kids Little River, received photos on the school's messaging app of their kids in blackface, dressed as construction workers, police officers, and doctors. The photos were accompanied by a message that read Black History Month. You know, if re-elected, Trump reportedly wants to bring back firing squads and televised executions. And these are all believed or not stories, folks. Yes, these things happened. And I don't know where people's heads are that you would see fit to do that with these babies and think it's funny. It's not funny. It's not even entertaining. It's not educational in no way, shape or form. Sorry. If re-elected, Trump reportedly wants to bring back firing squads and televised executions. We highlighted this last week. So according to Rolling Stone, former President Donald Trump has asked close associates for their thoughts on firing squads and is committed to expanding the use of the federal death penalty and bringing back banned executions if re-elected in 2024. He has reportedly discussed bringing back death by firing squad hanging and possibly even by guillotine and has floated these ideas while discussing planned campaign rhetoric and policy desires as well as his disdain for president biden's approach to crime he has also according to a source mused about televising footage of executions um, during his presidency he oversaw the execution of 13 federal prisoners and rules made during his during his administration made federal firing squads more feasible. A church employee stole nearly six hundred thousand dollars from a Catholic church for gambling. A seventy-two-year-old woman was sentenced to two years in federal prison after pleading guilty to wire fraud. According to court documents, Marie Carson of Indianapolis, Indiana, illegally transferred approximately. $573,836.59 from the business accounts of a Catholic church and related school in Indianapolis to her personal accounts, her personal bank accounts in 2008 to 2020. Well, she was doing little by little. She wasn't taking a whole lot. <laughs> Why do you lock her up for that? I don't know. Lock up the pastor them too. Why get lock up too. <laughs> starting with her so here's the here she got caught you want to hear how she got caught so she was doing this for more than 13 years right but authorities said carson's scheme was exposed when she was on leave from her position in november of 2021 and her temporary uh, replacement noticed suspicious transfers from the parish's gaming account so the parish has a gaming account to an external bank account 
Over $289,000 in transfers were made to multiple accounts, including a phantom account created in the church's name. Carson made false entries into the database used by the parish to track payments. A significant amount of money was used by Carson and her husband for casino gambling and an annual month-long vacation to Florida. I'm sorry. She's on... um supervised probation she's she she will be supervised by the u.s probation office for two years following her release from federal instant from the federal prison and ordered to pay five hundred and seventy three thousand dollars in restitution but she knows she do this why is she taking a vacation <laughs> she gotta stay on the job you gotta stay on the job until you retire That's not- She's 72 years old. That lady is living her best life. to say thank you to all the listeners who logged on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com your place for quality music while you work or play johnoradio.com hope you already have that down that app downloaded it is available in the apple and google play stores John Radio, take us on the go and a big thank you to everyone here with me on clubhouse of course this is where the conversation happens. I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, when we do it all over again. Coffee into World News on the Go, where I read the news and we share our views. Also coming up later on tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, live on QMZRadio.com and JohnOradio.com. It is Days After Dark. Join the crew for Real Relationship Talk, 10 p.m. Eastern. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us right here on Clubhouse. QMZ Radio and Jano Radio. This is Moments with me signing out. Please, 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 please,